Hello and broadcasting from, from the beautiful, beautiful Central, Central Coast, Coast of California. It's the Doctor Death, Death Danger, Danger Radio, Radio Show. Crack open a cold one. Now back to your regularly ish scheduled podcast. Yep. No more months off for these guys. What? I said no more months off for these guys. Nope. It'll be like maybe weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like a week. Sorry. A week. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, get that water down. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Triple D Radio Show with your boys and hosts, James and Edward! <laughs> Yo, Ed, what's good? Hey, everybody, how's it going? I'm Edward. We've got a, we got a pretty good show for you today. It's uh, it's an 80s special in a lot of ways. Anyway, definitely 80s special for the theme. There is timestamps in the in our description if you ever want to skip forward to any part of the show. But all right, Ed, tell us what's the lineup on this on today's show. Well, of course, we've always got the ever fun, um, hot or not. And then uh, we said last week, pretty sure we are going on a we are going on the Metallica journey. And the the first step is uh, the first part of that is today with their debut record, Kill 'Em All. We didn't do yep. their No Life to Leather demo. Um, We're not doing the demo. We're just gonna no. stick to the studio. We don't need to go that. Like if Crazy it was just a de- it, yeah, yeah. If, it, if it was just a demo, then it'd be kind of a short review. Yeah, not much of a show unless you just wanted us to get straight to the main event. But what is the main event? Well, the main event is uh, now. Here's a real hood classic. Okay, it's not a hood, hood classic. Cl- it's not a hood classic. But here's a cla- a classic though, a cult classic, coming out the same year as Kill 'Em All. We are going. We are going to review Sleepaway Camp. It's a slasher fit flick that uh, is most famous for its plot twist at the very end of the movie. Everything else in the movie was just kind of... Kind of. Kind of. It was kind of. Just there. Kind of there. Like, literally all the movie is just there. I hadn't watched the movie for a long time. I probably hadn't seen it in like six or seven years. There were elements about the movie that... I remember that I liked better than when I on rewatch, but maybe that was just me appreciating the ham and cheese and all the New York accents. Which don't worry, that is something that we'll reveal later in the show. All right, what else? What do you want to talk about? To I actually to kind of just get into this. I had a very fun quote unquote interaction with a lady at the bookstore the other day. True, there was a lady that was kind of uppity with me, not with me, but with our kids section. Right, so she was like, she was, she felt that. She was kind of salty because it wasn't organized by age more because we have chapter books and then we have like regular like young reader books and we have young adult. But that's downstairs. so the ladies coming up go like, hey, I'm trying to find the book for my like dumb kid. Where's the like easy read? Definitely one of those moral guardian types that cares a lot about uh, what what their kids are reading. So she's asking me, she's like, well, how do I? Well, if it's not organized by by age, then how do I know if the book's appropriate? And I said. Well, the general idea is, you know, uh, chapter books are for like, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, between four to six, four to eight age. And then uh, young readers is between more like eight to 12. And right there, she cuts me off and she goes, well, that's not what I need. What I need is a way to find out what's in the books. And so I well, the only way to do that is look at the book and then crack it open. Well, that's sort of what I said. What I said was, um, well, uh, well, I said uh, I could look something. I could look them up for you. There's a little synopsis on our system, but uh, besides that, unless you just want to go page by page, uh, you could always. And I tried to say this as polite as possible. You could always just read the synopsis on the back of the book. 
But she has a pile of books, and then um, I'm I'm trying to be nice, so I'm so I come up for it. And she's buying like basically she's buying raw doll books. She's buying Matilda. She's buying witches. She's buying Tale of Despero. You know the one about the swashbuckling mouse. Okay, and stuff like that. And then I was she, like, yeah, there's moments of scary scenes in those, yeah. and like there is like maybe adult ish situations. But what's their what is their level appropriate? Like what is not appropriate for a child? I have no idea, but what I can tell you is this: we came across the last book. It was um, it was a kids' mystery one. It started it stars a girl, and like literally the cover of the book, it's like a girl with binoculars wearing Converse, and it's about a it's about someone who stole a bag. I'm like, okay, it's entry level stuff. Okay, and so, and so I'm like, oh yeah, we actually had the author in here signing recently, which we actually did, and the book was autographed. And I said, yeah, so this is a fun uh, little romp. It's uh, it's about a girl. She has some friends. She solves mysteries. It's really and right there again. She cuts me off with does it have a lot of sex in it and what did you say what i wanted to say was it's a kid's book but what i but thinking on my feet keep it professional i'm like no no nothing like that nothing like that like just rolling it off like it's like she didn't just ask me if this kid's mystery book that's like 200 pages long has a lot of sex in it I would, obviously my says like nah ma'am it's a kids book it doesn't have anything that it's a it's a pretty young kids book there's nothing that appropriate like jeez Louise nah. <laughs> like yeah I would say there's no sex but I don't know maybe there is no not in that one and then and then that's the high point yeah, how do but, you know and that's the high point but the but the but the still kind of high point was then she asked me about gift wrapping because she wants to send it somewhere and since COVID happened uh my store at least um you know we still don't have gift wrapping and and she got kind of uppity about that again. And I said, well, you know, when the first wave hit and then right there again, she cuts me off with, yeah, well, we're done with that. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was fun. Like this lady was just like sitting there. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's like, oh, Karen vibes, bro. It's like, homegirl, I'm trying to help. Karen, but help me vibes. help you. Yeah, right. <laughs> How about that? Can you do that? Uh, do you understand that concept? If you help me, I can help you. But yeah. If you can't, then you're kind of fucked here, ma'am. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Oh, no, that's pretty uh, brutal. Yeah, I don't have anything too wacky on that nature. My week was kind of just chilling for the most part. None too special. I just wake up at like six in the morning. I usually grab my monster drink and my banana. I come into the space where we're recording. I yeah. usually practice drums for like 30, uh, I would say like 25 to 30 to four, maybe at most 40 minutes, but it's usually just that. And then I go off to work and then I just do the thing. Nothing to really bitch about. It was kind of just like a chill week for for the most part. Just sitting there. It was actually a really chill week. I just know this week I got to go to fucking Vegas for work. Which, shit. which we got to fucking drive for that shit. So here's the gay plan. Me and my coworker, because my leads, they're going to go tomorrow after this after this recording of this podcast they're gonna go tomorrow and then hopefully they're back with the car tuesday night now we're gonna have to get up at like wednesday and we could get up at whatever time that we could want to work with but i like talked to him and i'm like hey the earliest i'm gonna want to get up six i don't want to get up earlier and he's like i could do that i live down the road i could just roll out of bed which I'm curious. I'm kind of like curious on that one. It's like, are you gonna roll out of bed, or is it gonna take you a minute to get to work? But either way, I'm allowed to clock in early, pretty fucking early. So I'm like, 
I'll just click that OT. And if you're just not showing up, then I'll just nap on the couch till you fucking arrive. Don't matter to me. <laughs> but then we're just going to get in the fucking rental car and then fucking blast all the way over to fucking Vegas. And then I don't know what, how time's going to allow us to get to the, check out the convention. Which I need to look up what times the convention's running. And like, are we going to get there in time where we're going to still be able to check out the convention? Or is it going to be literally the day after where we're going to check out the convention for a little bit and then just drive fucking all the way back? I'm like, that would suck. I'm like, God damn, just give us no fucking time. It's like, dude, we're doing a lot more driving than actually checking out this fucking convention that's related to work. So there's that. So I'm like, great. I'm going to go to fucking Vegas. But I'm like, you know, I'm going to just not do shit. Hopefully, I'll get paid the day I go to Vegas, and then we'll see freaking how much of just munching I'll be able to actually do. How much is, like, my, like, fucking higher-ups gonna, like, pay for my shit, so... We'll see what goes on on that one. That will be a fucking tale for the podcast, but I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm not looking forward to this. I just hope my co-worker's cool to be pissing in a bottle, so... That's what I'm just hoping for. <laughs> and life just really likes to keep sticking you back in Vegas. Dude, I don't know fucking why. I fucking hate Vegas. Why do people want to go to fucking Vegas? Why do people want to do shit in Vegas? <laughs> like, Vegas fucking sucks. Because it's fabulous. All the lights and there's thrills and it's excitement. Just, dude, it's a boomer bullshit. And my dad said back in the day they used to have topless and bottomless bars. Well, cool beans. I'm not going to a strip club because <laughs> I won't have money for it. This oh, is yeah. w- for work. I'm going to see what fucking, like, radios that can help you get you internet. And then I'll also check out the booths of, like, people trying to get into the real internet game and shit. That's literally all this, like, convention is going to be. Maybe I'll walk away learning Like, something. am I actually, like, because I hear stories of, like, my co-worker is actually like, oh, yeah, Vegas, they go hard. They'll meet, like, representatives and they're going to get fucking shit-faced. I'm like, dude. The way how the scheduling is, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any of that bullshit. Doesn't We're gonna, sound I'm like going to check out some fucking booths, and then it's back on the road. I'm like, freaking sitting there, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be fucking cool, at I guess. At least you're getting paid for going. I went, at least, I, yes, I am getting paid for going, but I really just don't want to. Yeah. I'm Like, literally, I'm going to be sitting there, and, like, the hotel's like, I'm not going to lie, I'm like, well, I guess I'll sleep in a little bit for like for my my usual weekday, but later I'm gonna wake up, most likely go throw my shit in the car, go check out some bullshit, and then find my coworker, and it's like, all right, time to travel back fucking home for this dumb trip. As I said, hopefully, maybe my bosses will pay will buy me a nice steak dinner. Do you need the death of WCW again? Speaking of what the fuck, oh. <laughs> What the hell? What are you speaking see? of fucking work? Oh my god! I literally got a message right now. Hold it. Let me look at this shit. Oh no! It's literally okay. Hold it. Literally, my boss is like, "Looks like the rooms are not paid for." And a fan- why the fuck is it going to a link? What? Hold oh, and you said the rooms aren't paid for. Looks like the rooms are not paid for in advance. I will either work it out with the hotel or meet each of you to pay for them at check-in. I work for a small company. What com- the fuck? I work for a small company. I'm like, what? I got the fucking booking notice. What do you mean they're not paid for in advance? What well, the fuck? What do you mean? I- well, we're going to have the fucking company card with us, so. Yeah. That's bananas. I don't know what the fuck this boomer's doing. Here's the thing. This is like, like, this is like my freaking like, well, I wouldn't say it like, this is like the, this is like definitely the main like internet engineer for every on that shit 
And he's like a super smart dude with a fucking like he learned to code by himself. He taught himself how to do all the shit we do. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, no, it's like super impressive. But he's also a deadhead, like legit <laughs> old OG deadhead. So it's a fucking Silicon Boomer bullshit. I don't know what's going on. You literally already sitting there. I was like, fuck. I'm not looking for the Vegas because every time I go to Vegas, it's a fucking mess. It's always some bullshit. But I'll rant about it next episode. I'll tell you how it actually went. Hell, it might be nice. All I'm just hoping I'm just going to go there. I'm going to see some radios that I'm going to sit there like, wow, that's actually looks like it'd be fucking neat and cool. I'll also see like fucking other people like Dish and Direct TV that are getting the real internet game. I'm like, we'll see what you guys are going to do. This is going to be interesting. Maybe job opportunities in the future. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'll check it out for whatever little time. And I'm just sitting there. Hopefully my bosses pay for a steak dinner for me. And if I get that, and then I'll be stoked, and then I'll just get paid to fucking drive through the desert. And if no state, and dinner, I don't have to drive on Memorial Day weekend too, so I'm not stuck with fucking backed up traffic trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So and either it, way, that works perfectly fine for me. And hopefully, if you don't get a steak dinner, at hopefully it's just as stress free as possible. I'm just hoping for an easy stress free trip. I'll hopefully we'll see how good my like coworker is with traveling. This is the, the same. piss bottle thing. Might I don't know if they'll be ready for that. Oh, is that dude? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll just I, I'll ask him like here's the thing. I'm gonna be with him like it's just gonna be me and him at the office. Yeah, like for the next two days. So I'm gonna bring it up and ask him. Hey, so we're traveling. I kind of want to make sure if you're cool with me pissing in a bottle on this trip to try to save time. That might be the best way to bring it up. There's no, like, easy way to ease someone into that. There is no easy way. I literally, even when I asked you when yeah. traveling, I'm like, hey, you cool with me pissing in a bottle? And I know you have that shit on lock, so I'm like, fine. <laughs> fine. Go ahead. Like, believe I got bottles. I keep as long spin. as I don't see James Schlong, I'm fine. Yeah. You won't see, like, just, like, just keep your head turned yeah. and just hold it till, like, you know it's, like, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually I roll up the window. I'm kind of curious to see how audio, like, how we're going to, like, keeping an audio between ourselves on the trip. Are we just going to hang out and listen to headphones? I'm like, here's the thing, because, like, I'll be the, like, early bird to, like, wake up and stuff. So I don't know who's going to be driving down there, mm-hmm. driving to driving down there and shit. And I'm saying, it's like, how much does the guy want me fucking sitting there, freaking playing, like, like grindcore and fucking DB and then wrestling <laughs> podcasts and shit. So... <laughs> Uh, like, that's going to be my entertainment on the schedule, so who knows? Maybe it might be a bonding ex- experience for me and my coworker. You want my Audible? Or fucking not. I don't, you want my Audible account? Maybe I can hook it with one, with a Brandon Sanderson book. Uh, maybe. High fantasy, dog. I really don't know. Hey, this could be a magical bonding experience, or I'll go like, hey, my coworker sucks even more. <laughs> I do, that's literally it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's pull up hot or not. Yep. All right, uh, let me make sure you get the record button there. All right, so good friend Bone Steel did not send us a voice clip, so you will not hear his voice introducing this track. Damn it, Jay. Now, I will try my best to introduce this track. So we got a cover song, or oh. technically a remix. Really? Of the song Blue. Originally, the song was by is the song Blue by Eiffel... 65? S- yes. Oh. But it's a remix that's done by David Guetta with B.B. Rexa singing it. What? That's what we... Ha- that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to break down the bios of David Guetta and B.B. Rexa. <clears throat> 
Do you know? I know who David Guetta. But I know you who know David B- Guetta is. I don't really know who the other person yeah, is. Yeah, let's look at BB Rexa. Fuck sure. it. Sure. We could totally do that. All right. And this is like her top track on her Spotify. So I don't know what that mm. says. But. It's always a little worrying when I well, cover here's here's a, let's look. So here is BB Rexa rising as a songwriter for Eminem. Rihanna and Selena Gomez. What the fuck? Brooklyn-born BB Rexa made her way from the studio to the stage, racking up hit singles with electronic artist Cash Cash, David Guetta, and Martin Garrix, and then rappers G Easy, Lil Wayne, and Nicki Minaj, and even country duo Florida Georgia Line. Sounds like bone steel music. Yep. With whom she recorded the 2017 chart-topping country pop crossover single, Meant to Be. Although her work with other musicians has spanned genres, her own material centers on on darker pop textures influenced by hip-hop and R&B, as heard on her debut, 2018's Expectations, and its 2021 follow-up, Better Mistakes. Oh my god, this description's long. I think that's a good enough. That might be good. Yeah, I don't need a freaking drag along the radio. I so don't know how much BB Rex says that entertaining. So someone who's been in the music industry for a long time yes. has written hits for high profile people. Yes. And now she's out on her own. It's pretty good. Doing songs with DJs. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so here's the song I'm Good Blue, which I have a feeling is a cover of Eiffel 65. Yeah. Or I could be wrong. I don't know. I'll know. I'll recognize the piano. Well, that's the piano medley. I sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. It sounds similar. Are we right? I. Uh, are, are we sure? I don't know, man. Listeners, do you feel confident on that one? I'm not yeah, sure if I, I feel confident. We'll, we'll just have to see. Okay, I'm kind of frustrated. <laughs> it's kind of pissing me off. This sounds like it came out when we were in like freshman year. Remember when like the biggest song was I Got a Feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, not a good foot forward, but here comes the drop. Wow, it's just the fucking song. Yeah, except like, you know, maybe up well, to yeah, date. Well, yeah, it's a remix. But- oh, with a beefier bass, yeah. yeah. But like low key. <sighs> Kind of ruining the OG song, but I'm a, like I'm frustrated. And I just want to stop and actually put up the OG song. Like, it doesn't like the '90s Euro Cheese does the song way more justice than whatever this fucking BB oh, Rex. The original doing. song is great. I throw that on to this day. Like I don't know. Some people might like consider this a little bit better because there's an actual like not weird funky ass melody about a color. This is about a person like I think they're being good. I have like they're vibing the blue window, but this pisses me off. I'm the best right fucking now. night of her life, James. Uh, uh, we'll see what goes on with this drop. Does he spice it up? Nope. nope. Same thing. Man, so, David Guetta really does like David on Guetta. Guetta does genuinely have a pretty recognizable sound. Well, I'm glad. I'm just saying, you can make a, you could be fucking rich and doing shit like this. And French. Actually, it does. It actually does. It is a very good skill to actually program and actually write good songs. Oh yeah, remember when we were. Don't in be school? like, yeah, don't be the fucking boomer Iggy Pop yeah. where he's like a hilarious video of him at a rave and he's just sitting there he's like, cool, dude, you're not even playing instruments. He's just playing a 
She's playing on his computer. So yeah. fucking music. What is that? I'm like, dude, this is such a I'm hilarious like, why were you even there now. in the first place, Iggy Pop? It's hilarious. And I'm sitting there like, Iggy Pop, you fucking suck as a musician. What are you talking about? Yeah, he's punk. Yeah, he just has good energy. Yeah. But I'm just saying, anytime where people collab with him, it's like, dude, his voice ruins the song. Like, here's the thing. Like, fucking MC5 is sick, but... No, he wasn't MC5. He was the Stooges. Sorry, it's just all that Detroit rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get mixed up. But either way, I'm just saying that it's like, friggin', don't make me pull up a track with fucking Iggy Pop sing it. He kind of ruins it. I mean, I've heard I've heard a decent amount of Iggy Pop throughout my time, so but trust I'm saying me, Iggy I Pop know he's... With, like, an artist that's, like... That came out that's like relevant in 2020. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's even terror bad. Yeah, but you know, he's so unapologetically like himself and he's so like gross. He gives off that real rocker energy. Yeah, no, he comes off as definitely authentic human being and what he's doing. Well, but. you said that remind me. Remember when we were in school and Skrillex was the biggest thing ever? You had all the metalheads being like, all he does is press a space bar. There's, there's no skill. Really, there's no skill playing a space bar. I can tell it's you, like, right? How you like spent hours trying to fucking put together a goddamn I wobble track? On it, I was gonna say, honestly speaking, like you know, being someone that's played music and has fucked around with electronic shit because of my own band, like writing a Skrillex song sounds way harder than writing a Slayer song. Yeah, no, you can have it with the homies, but yeah, that song. Um, what are you gonna give it? I'm giving that a not, bro. Oh, I'm gonna give it a not. That pissed me off. <laughs> that wasn't good. That was definitely not good. I'm gonna have the best fucking night, like. I think the fucking is what kind of kills it for me. It's like, why are you swearing? It doesn't add anything to the song. It doesn't. Anything you killed the song. <laughs> That's one thing. And then her like, voice the thing, is it's gonna fine, be like I'm but... sure that song is sick if you've never listened to the original. Probably. If you heard that, if that's your first ever time hearing like that song and you go like, you know what, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Then they've done a good job. And Geta has but, a Geta has a good way with basses and synths. So I'm like, okay, the remix so the remix sounds fine, but I don't know. I just didn't care for it. Oh, no. I didn't care for it, too. It was like total buttholes. <laughs> All right, but I'll give it a not. Yeah, Because I knot. like the original too much. The original I kind of wish Jake gave us a... Uh Jake gave us a, 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 a an audio like explanation because I'm like, why the fuck did he send that to us? Well, I know he loves... Like, he loves Eiffel 65's Blue. Yeah. It's a great song. It is a great song. Maybe he's just sitting there like, well, no. You got to remember, every time he sends us a song, he thinks it's a hot. That's right. But I'm sitting there it's like, damn it, dude. Yeah, has they he killed ever... I'm like, dude, they, it's like, they, I feel like they didn't do like as good as Justice as the OG. No. Some people might like it, but I don't. So not, 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 not. Triple D gives it a not. Triple D gives it a not. Right, let's cruise into the CAR. Yeah. Okay. So well, let me get the timestamp. So. Oh, yeah, right. Good point. All right. It's time for the CAR. All right, Ed. What did we listen to this week? All right. So as I said earlier, we are on the Metallica journey. And uh, yeah, dude. Fucking Metallica, bro. Fucking Metallica, bro. <laughs> I love these guys. So this isn't just any. So since this isn't this isn't just any band, I was gonna see. Should we take a sec? Maybe tell the audience a bit of our history with the band, what they mean to us and stuff. If you want to go for it, shoot. Okay, so Metallica is a band that honestly, they, it feels like they've just been around forever. Like obviously they have, but well, I yeah. mean, I mean like in my in my life, because I can just remember when I was a kid, mostly Black Album stuff, and my brothers would play Metallica around me hear them on the radio and then when i was in school 
I remember you burned me two Metallica CDs. It was in Justice for All and uh, Black Album. And then I eventually went out and bought, bought all the albums. And yeah, I love them. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of a... Um, I just, I, I've always respected them as musicians, as, as people. Um, and I'm kind of, I feel like I'm an anomaly of Metallica fans cause I don't like hate Lars Ulrich and you know, I, I just, I love all those guys and yeah, their music. There's means- a lot of people that like Lars Ulrich. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. You can find videos on videos on people liking Lars Ulrich. It always just feels like there's more people that don't like him. Oh yeah. There's that. But yeah, uh, no, they're a very important band to me. They're, uh, you know, they're they're an influence, and they just make awesome tunes. I love these guys. What about you? All right, so for my history of Metallica, I could definitely say one of the first bands I actually got obsessive with and stuff. Like, I actually geeked out. Like, I remember like the first time getting hold of like some Metallica recordings because I heard a little bit of Metallica on the radio because there used to be like the modern rock station that would play like at like late at night mandatory metallica oh yeah that's right so yeah i would always catch stuff on that that was always cool but i eventually was able to like go down to my local library and they had music that you can like freaking rent out and i had two metallica discs they had master of puppets and the black album and those are my first two ones i like got to i definitely love master puppets more than the black album I think Master Puppets, like, even then, was just, like, more my thing. So, that was definitely one of the first things for, like, by Metallica, like, fandom. And they were, like, one of the first bands that actually geeked down and then fucking was, like, punishing my friends over. Yeah, yeah. So, definitely, like, I do have a history of Metallica. It's just more of a start for me. Like, these days, I still, like, if I'm on a good Metallica kick, I love Metallica. But at the same time, I was like, dude, Metallica's such a big, such a big band and a good band. It's, like, doesn't matter. I'm, like, sitting there and it's, like... Yeah, no, it's definitely an easy band to obsess first, but I'm like, okay, you can listen to other bands elsewhere in your life. But Metallica yeah. is a great band. And we've seen them live, too, and man, I don't care what people say. Metallica yeah. is one of the best yeah. bands ever to see live. Yeah, and then like also people go like, oh, dude, Metallica sucks. I'm like, dude, there's a lot worse bands out there. <laughs> I'm just saying, Metallica is actually a really good band, so just whatever. If you're down with Metallica, you're down with Metallica. But sometimes at times for me... Kind of have to be in the mood for Metallica, but mm. we'll go through this journey. I've never listened to like Load or Reload mm-hmm. or Saint Anger. Yeah, yeah. I think we listen to. I think I listened to Lulu once. Ugh. So yeah, we're doing. We're Lulu definitely too. yeah, definitely we're gonna like be hitting some sore spots. So yeah, and this is where it all began with Kill 'Em All. Um, well, technically they had a demo, but it feels like a real life success story, right? And it kind of is. But they drop the first demo, No Life to Leather. They get noticed, and then boom, they have a record deal and a fifteen thousand dollar budget to record in New York. Um, I just have a little bit of background here. Musician scholars place this album as like the true birthplace of thrash metal in some sense yeah influential factors include Lars Oryx's uh double time techniques the tasty clean guitar souls of Kirk James Hetfield's charisma and vocal delivery and the fact that I mean he's probably the greatest rhythm guitarist of all time and Cliff Burton's rad bass skills this album specifically is a favorite among old school fans because of like I said the pure thrash to quote Dina Weinstein this is a direct quote from her book, Essays on Debut Albums. Kill em All's lyrics create as much excitement as the music. Taken together, the words of the songs on the album form a single theme. It is a... Com- 
It is a concept album that heralds the breakthrough of a new subgenre of metal, its fans, and its leader, Metallica. It's a celebration of metal. It's a call to arms to a new generation of metalheads, many of whom who are already armed and ready. Well, I cringed a little bit at the comment there. <laughs> but as they like, everyone knows the story of Metallica. Definitely as a good response band. Uh, <laughs> fucking Jake sent the voice message. Ha. Do you want to play it real quick or fuck them? Oh, uh, no, we can play it like real quick. It'll be hilarious. Then we'll just jump to right into it. To anyone that album. didn't listen to our hot or not, or has listened to our hot or not, what's what he said in like past tense? Yeah. Like, we're already past this, but. All right, so I have the hiccups. <laughs> Anyways, this track right here is a remix on what I think is one of the best songs of all time. Also, a little known fact, the first number one song to ever come from an Italian group is uh, Blue by Eiffel 65. So Mm -hmm. this right Mm -hmm. here is a nice little modern remix that TikTok has kind of picked up and brought the song some more (sighs) life. So check it out. Well, Eiffel 65 like way better than this i hate that this is blowing <laughs> off on tiktok but yeah. whatever tiktoks are are archaic but that was our hot or not we're now talking about metallica yeah bro let's jump where we it. at we're about to jump into track one all right if track one hit the lights which it does take a minute to get into it so yeah because there's a build-up yeah i remember because so what i always like to do is i always like to go in order after you had burned me uh, Justice and Black Album. I went back and uh, to uh, our local record store here, Cheap Thrills, and I bought Kill 'Em All. And I can tell you, I was obsessed with this album when I first bought it. Oh, I yeah? just loved it so much. And then just, bro, this intro, it's just, it's great. And just, just the constant like the build up, <clears throat> and then and then this part right here, the freaking what the pick slide, the pick slide, the riff. The speed and there's like there's like 19 guitar souls in this song. It's mm-hmm. pretty sick. Oh, and then you got here James's uh, vocals. Wow! Oh, it's good stuff. I love this song, bro. Is there a better is there a better intro opening song to a record? This one's really good. Uh, just straight up, this is an eight for me. So for me, I wrote down a six out of ten. It's a fun speed metal open. But I think the chorus is a miss at times for me, and it honestly kills the momentum of the speed in the song. So I'm sitting there, I'm just like, eh. Like this? Hit the lights. I don't like it. I think nah. it's it's not for me. I'm like sitting like, no, I do like the song. But to be honest, if I was to be like straightforward listening, I'm like, kind of comes off as a six. I've heard better speed metal songs. So Fair enough. that's how it is. But that's hit the lights. All right, next one. Mechanics. So, or no, well, one of us had to make the joke. Uh, this is Four Horsemen. Uh, a little bit of history. This is what Dave Mustaine wrote originally as Mechanics, but they, but Metallica after he left, they slowed it down and they added that bridge that, according to Dave, was inspired by uh, Sweet Home Alabama. And it really kind of sounds like it when I read that. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's um, it's at like three twenty-five, but yeah. Now, this may be controversial, but this song, I like. It's a classic, but I don't love this song. Maybe it's because it's a little long. It's the longest song on the record. It's like seven minutes. Um, and there's good musicianship, but I don't know. There's just something There's just something that always just kind of lost me on it. I don't know what it is. Definitely uh, the length can kill you, so. Yeah. What do you rate it? Oh, I, I, I gave it a seven. It's so good. All right, so for bro, for me, this has them riffs. And for an epic 
I don't get too bored with it. I do enjoy it. And I do enjoy like the, uh, but mostly it's just the bridge riffs are the sickest thing. So I give yeah. it a seven out of ten for the most part. This definitely, I do like the song a lot more. But yeah, and the only issue with the song so long, we can't break down every, can't have to show you everything. So yeah, yeah, there's that. Oh, bro, it's gonna suck a lot more when we get to Justice for All. Oh yeah, we're just be hammering it through. So next one, Motor Breath, a song that I don't know why, but even when I was younger. The song just felt kind of fillery. Yep. Maybe it's the lyric, the lyrics. Like literally, the song's about you know Heffield writing how you know how Heffield likes to live fast and you have to too because life is short and that's what it's about. Maybe it's the chorus that I always just thought was eh. It's fun, right? It's fun. It's fast and short and harmless. Uh, I gave it a six. It's 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 good. So for me, I'll call, I'll just say it's a good speed metal boy. You could say it's thrash. But for me, a lot of this stuff is just sounds like a lot more just early speed metal ish. Yeah, that that if anything that always threw me off. With the only thing, yeah. The only thing about this track, I like it more than Hit the Lights, so I'll give it a high six out of ten, comparing mm. the two. Yeah, you know that always threw me off because everyone always mentions, oh yeah, this album's thrash metal. But listening back to it, I'm like, this is just like new wave of British heavy metal turned up to eleven. If any, it's like that. Yeah, honestly, it kind of just sounds like Exciter. It's more like Exciter than like. You know, yeah, later is, Metallica. Yeah, this is just a straight-up speed metal record. For me, yeah. There's just a little bit too much of that, yeah. But it's early. All right, so oh, jump, jump into, into the, the fire. fire. So this song's about sex. Well, okay, it? No, okay, it originally was when Mustaine originally wrote it. Um, and I wrote here, hey, you notice that Mustaine songs are the ones with, like, the most unnecessarily complex riffs? But anyway, yeah, this song he it, this song was about sex, like how Mechanic was, but Hetfield changed the lyrics to be about Satan. Uh, this song is very good. This song is always awesome. When I throw on the album and I kind of tune out for Horseman and Motor Breath, this one always brings me back in. I, oh, this song's great. I'm also a little biased because I actually learned how to play this one. So uh, it, this is a strong seven. Wait, actually, know how to jam this on bass, not on guitar. Oh, okay. I couldn't get it on guitar. Well, Fingers are probably too thick. I just wrote down, bro. I always thought this song was pretty corny. Like this is the most non-Metallica song. And it sounds more like early 80s, like, metal cheese. I always give it a low 6 out of 10. Like, how you said, like, the last two to songs kind of bring you down, this song brings me down. I just always love the riff. Bam, bam. I, I like the song. I don't know. I don't like this part. <laughs> it's just like, sorry, this but is so much. As a, like, these riffs don't hit it for me. But this is, like, good metal cheese. Eh. Well, to me it is. Eh. <laughs> it, hit, it hits different for, eh. I think you're realizing with this review so far, a lot of this stuff hits different. Yeah. Alright, so what's the next? Oh yeah, here we so go. So the next one. Oh, this one. Bass solos take one. This is Anesthesia pulling teeth. So the first Metallica instrumental done in one take, apparently. The song actually has some interesting history. When James and Lars were scouting for a new bassist after Mustaine bullied Ron McGumby out of the band, at least mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how it went, um, they saw Cliff shredding this exact piece of music somewhere and they were blown away by it like i think the story goes uh james or lars was like dude what's that is where's the guitar player but then they see him jam and they're like dude that's the bass that's rad i think they actually said that's rad um and then about way halfway through this when because this is kind of just a slow build up eventually cliff starts shredding and then some drums come in i think it's really fun um takes a bit to get to the good part but i think it's fun i, I gave it a six it's it's cool. 
So for me with this song is like so for significance compared to their peers at the time with like Metallica actually doing stuff like a bass instrumental yeah. where like Cliff can actually play which sometimes not all musicianship like having good musicians doesn't mean you're gonna have good music yeah but at least like here like this is I think it's not half bad I think it's pretty sick Me and when too. like the drums kind of step in and they start ripping it like music like there's still like a sense of a song here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like for it being like showing off like some just bass play. It's playing. not eruption where it's just a guitar solo. Yeah, but like for significance, it is like literally songs like this is the reason why Metallica did way better than their peers. So oh, yeah, I'll yeah. give it for sure a low seven out of ten. If you want to show the audience the fast parts, I think if you just skip to like halfway through the song, you hear it. Well, I have to friggin' like get in there, so Like, yeah, you hear this, like, fuck yeah, dude, you can boss to this. Yep. But either way, so that was uh, anesthesia pulling teeth. Now, the best part is here, honestly, I'm just gonna do it. Because, like, oh, after this cool. whole song, like, you get to this point where you're sitting, like, you know, just a de, -es a de escalation. Yeah, yeah. Just started just, just making some noise. But then. And you go, like, oh. and I sit there, I was like, fuck. Bro, that transition is fucking awesome. That hits hard, dude. So this is Whiplash, my favorite song on the album. A guy named Mick Wall wrote somewhere that this song is is uh, this song was the real birth of thrash metal. And I wrote, you know, this does like have this has the most attack. This like, has yeah, because that's the thing with thrash metal. I feel like there's a little bit of attack to it. Yeah, yeah. And like the other like ones didn't feel like they had too much of an attack. Like those but were speed metal. This feels like thrash. You know, this has a lot of thrash metal tropes too. There's fast solos, cheesy lyrics talking about how metal and moshing and partying is awesome. They say the name of their own band in the song, but oh, I, oh, I love the song. It's great. Beginning to end, it's fast, catchy, and quotable. I gave this, uh, I give this an eight, probably a light eight. This is an eight. Yeah, here's the. I give it a low eight too. But here's the thing about the song. Isn't this like Metallica's usually their ender? This is like one of the like last few songs they play on their set. I think so. Um, I think it's like that no, or Enter Sandman. No, I think you're. No, the last song they play is Enter Sandman. I think the like second or third last. They third always to whip last this. is uh, Seek and Destroy. Yeah, but they always whip this one around out yeah, yeah, around yeah. the end. And dude, it's, it's just awesome. And here, when when the time changes like that, it doesn't feel as abrupt and awkward as yeah. Hit the Lights does. Oh yeah. And, if there's a, and, and with, that, with that tom fill, there's a little bit of punkness there, too, which is a key part of thrash. So it, well, it's just a there's always, there is a little bit of punkness throughout the song-ish. Ish. Either way, they're, they're playing fast for oh, the yeah. time. So next song, coming off Whiplash, we have Phantom Lord. Phantom Lord. All right, tell me about this song. Well, this might sound surprising to you, but uh, this very Diamond Head sounding song is about fucking Satan. This, this is an often this is an often forgotten track that I always think is pretty cool. Um, well, it'd be easier to show if they would start the fucking song, but yeah, I always like the um, I just always like the riffs in this one when it gets going. When it gets going, yeah, when it does get going. There we go. It's more it's more speed metal like this. You could almost, if there was a little more distortion, you could be like, hey, when did Motorhead get here? But, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
it's uh, it's not too long, and I just think it's underrated. Oh, and I really love the bridge at like two thirty something, where it's it starts melodic, but then it goes really heavy with some chugs. It's good stuff. I gave it a light seven. So for me, like I always think this is good, but it's not great. And like I want to like the instrumentals more, but at times it just comes off really mid for me. But I'll give it a six out of ten. Like it's not too bad. And like listening right now, I'm enjoying it. But at times I'll be sitting there and like, eh, I kind of would want to just skip forward at times. One of the only weak spots I could think of is, um, I kind of wish they did something a little different, something different for the chorus. You know, hear the bite of war, dump there than before. Yeah, you know, that's pretty lame. Yeah, I think maybe like Lavid, like too, it's like the instrumentals they like, but the lyric, like literally the lyrics kind of come off hella corny. I'm going to be honest. I uh, I don't think Hetfield became like the renowned awesome vocalist that we all think of him as until Injustice for All. Yeah. Like there was good lyrics in Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, but there was still a lot of cheese too. This album, all bro, it's full cheese. It's uh, it's pretty early. It's cheese it is. Uh, so next one, No Remorse. What do you always, say about this one? I always loved, I always loved how chunky this riff sounded. Um, it's another uh, rarity that they almost never play. This song's about fucking war, you guys. Oh, yeah? It's mostly mid-paced until near the end of the song at like 4.45 when Hetfield yells attack and they bring in the thrash. Um, I always thought this was a solid song. I gave it a light 7. It could be a strong 6, but I'm going to stand by the light 7. All right, so for No Remorse, I always thought these riffs were pretty tight. For the most part, and I always enjoy the chunkiness. But then when I actually listening to it, like for me, like other than the wrist, sometimes the song is just—it's kind of like mid. It's like definitely a filler song, but I do like the riff, so it's like I give it a high six out of ten. Okay. Like it's not a seven, but it deserves a high six for sure because the wrists are there. But then like oh, yeah. song-wise, I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a seven. Fuck it. What, what did the vocals sound like? Oh, I thought the vocal star right there. Never mind. Nope. Because yeah. he's always take forever to fucking get somewhere. Metallica, the, king, the, the thing, king of riffs. But that's the thing you got to think about the time period. Like, if you got, like, all your big bands are fucking Kiss and those fucking annoying ass songs. <laughs> or, like, Motley Crue, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. not that bad band, but some, like, dudes are just like, come on. This doesn't represent me. But this comes off way more sicker. Plus, they have the start and stop where you can hear the war without end with the silence. And then they bring this riff in. Yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, I'll stand by my lights. I'll stand by my light seven. Yeah, I'll give it a light seven too. I think we're on a lot. I can agree on that. Yeah. So seek and destroy. Okay, the one, the one song off this record that they consistently play. Uh, it's always a crowd favorite. It's always fun. And this might be considered a hot take. This was never my favorite song off the record. Uh, it's catchy and memorable. Music's good and it's fun live. And I love how, I love how. Um, just into it, Hetfield gets in the studio and live. I just prefer other songs. Um, I just think I think it's very good. Um, fun little fact I learned: this was the first song they recorded for the record, so that's neat. Uh, seven out of ten for me. So for me, I just wrote down to a classic, and I have a bias with the song. I really love the song. Oh, and I always enjoy this one when it comes on. And especially when it plays live, there's always a sick attack to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I give it a high eight out of ten. Oh, okay. Definitely, like it's a song I really love. Think it's better than Whiplash, bro? Nah, I'm just kidding. They're kind of different, though. No, they're very one's different. One's fast, and one's like got a good like mid-paced chug. 
Yeah, dude, listen to that. And then, like, literally, it's like the e- I feel like the ending of the song, too, just is so sick. Oh, no, no. The ending's great. Yeah. With the, 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 like, two different riffs they do at the end there, it's good stuff. Yeah. The only thing, it's also long, so when we're viewing it, it's like, dude, we can't get to the money bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, last yeah. one. Metal Militia. Metal Militia. Uh, tell me about this one. Probably the fastest song on the record. Does it sound like they downtuned for this one? This one doesn't sound as light as the other songs. Well, it sounds like this record goes on. It's been getting a lot more crunchier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, like through the first, my headphones. Like, yeah, like the first like five songs, it's all like light, you know. But from pretty much uh, Whiplash on. Yeah. You mean like side B? Yeah, side B. Like let me side B gets a little bit more crunch. I've like literally noticed it while we've been listening side. to. It. It's the heavy side, I guess. I don't know. Side B has been less fillery than side yeah, A. Yeah, I, I always think. Uh, yeah, ironically, uh, yeah, I think side B is way better than the first side. But yeah, what always stood out. To, oh yeah. So according to Wikipedia, the lyrics of this song are about heavy metal's way of life and nonconformity. <laughs> What's always stood out to me is you can hear for the if for some reason this song more than some others, you can really hear the bass right along with the main riff. And I'm like, man, it's almost like when you can hear the bass, it makes Metallica more awesome. I don't know why they struggle with that so much. But yeah, this song's this song's pretty good. Um, it's often overlooked too, but it's a good one. Maybe not great, but good. I pre- I gave I ended up giving this one like a pretty strong six. Um, cause yeah, it's good. Maybe not great, but it's really good. You know. Here's the thing: when I like was listening to this song, I'm like, yeah, this comes off a lot better than I remember, but it's still kind of corny. But definitely out of their faster songs, it's like, I like it. It's like my second to flip. After Whiplash, this is the second of the fast songs I like on this record. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? For it being quite, it could be a high 6 out of 10, but you could also go a low 7 out of 10. You probably could. It's definitely there. I did it's always. It's a good mid. It's a I, great mid. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I did always love the chorus with the Metal Militia. Seriously, dude. I, I know he's total cheese. I love Ballbreaker Headfield on this record. Ballbreaker Headfield? Yeah, it, it really lends itself to the cheesy lyrics. Like, you know, on Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets, he, like, you know, had the voice go a little deeper, you know, because he probably blew his voice out. Well, he's also, like, a way younger here, too. Yeah. And maybe he was trying to be a lot more metal cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so that's the record, everybody. Out of a score of uh, 100... This album, ironically, gets a sixty-nine. Oh shit! So I don't. So know. it's a great. C- so it's a good like, you know, a good C effort. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, a C effort from Metallica no, is better know. than other people's C effort. I feel like, like as awesome the album is, I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, dude, this fucking album's fucking great. What the fuck? Oh yeah, no, this. I'm is- like, soon as I like, give it a C effort, I'm like, uh. But remember, but like I just said, a C effort from Metallica is better than some people's B efforts. Yeah, in my opinion. I know. Well, so, here's the thing: a lot of this is like nothing got into a low six. No. I never rate any. I didn't rate anything as nothing a low went six. below a six, and nothing went. I don't even know if anything went below a high six. Uh, yeah, uh, like, below a high six. Like yeah, no, nothing. Like nothing really got below a six. And then yeah, the and like the best is like a high eight. You can almost say a nine. Almost yeah. Like, compared to what we listened to a fucking Kiss and Poison, where there's so many, like, fives and fours. Okay, this... I'm like, fuck, Was this dude. record better than what the cat drafted? Oh, my God. Easy. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, compared to other bullshit... I'm so happy that Metallica 
got more like, famous than Poison. Even like thinking of other metal bands of that, like, like just other bands of that era too. I'm just saying, it's like a lot of just metal bands kind of fucking sucked. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, this is like maybe and that's why the record's so good. Like, like the level of like how good it is, it's like okay, this isn't like super great. Yeah. But compared to what else was going on, fuck, it might as well be. As I transcribe, well, compared to what Metallica gets. Right. To. As I transcribed in my final thoughts here, out of the classic first four records, this one was always my least favorite. Some, yeah. Sometimes it's tied with Injustice but it's for also, All. But that's the thing. It's a lot more just amateurish. This is like yeah. one of their youngest forms. Yeah, And yeah. also an awkward period, too. Yeah. This is like they had just started getting their other bass player. They, they just you know, kicked out Dave. Yeah. So it's like there's a little awkward period going on. Yeah. There's a lot of growing <clears throat> pains on this record. And honestly... Sometimes Injustice for All is my least favorite one, but it's yeah. like I can listen to Injustice for All all the way through, and uh, sorry, through Kill 'Em All all the way through. And Justice for All has better individual songs, but that record is too goddamn. I long. don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I'm maybe. a feeling Injustice for All on this record for me, I would rate around the kind of the same spot. There's a lot of good here, and I loved it as a kid, but when I got older, I don't know why, I just kind of gravitated toward their other records. And don't get me wrong, I mean, you guys heard, I still had a lot of good to say on this record. I mean, bro, it's fucking Metallica. Yeah. But it's very much a first album, and it's a first album that on a re-listen, it's like, man, I tell you what, there's some good-ass building blocks from, because this is the first time I've heard this album in years. Yeah. And, um, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just ended up liking other Metallica albums more, and everyone always made slash makes a big deal about like them being thrashers back in the day. But to me, I always just saw them as like more than that. Like they're musicians. I know that sounds obvious. Anyone that plays music is a musician, but like they're not just like fucking thrash till death. The I, I truly think the only band that makes that work, the whole thrash metal and only thrash metal is. It's just Slayer. Every other like th- Slayer for me out of thrash metal bands, like Slayer is for sure the one I feel like that truly comes off as the most thrash metal. Yeah, yeah. Because they have the most attack out of these bands. But a lot of these people like Sadie's band, like a lot of these bands, because these bands like all oh, the big four. It's like they had crunch. Mm-hmm. And they had a little bit more attack to their thing, yeah, and less just the fucking cheese. And in the case of, for the uh, most part, and in the case of Metallica, um, Anthrax, sometimes and Megadeth, you had a lot. You're, you're working with some really intricate song structures there too that just wasn't happening at the time. And uh, yeah, I know a lot more fucking bullshit, longer <laughs> epic writing or so. But yeah. compared to what else was going on, I think a lot of your like diehard metal heads wanted more. And I think that's why <laughs> the, the bullshit. And I think that's why the Black Album was so successful was because they were such good musicians because other band metal bands you know they just fall or fell to the wayside uh, um, when they try to expand their palette even Slayer tried to make even tried new things and they made it they tried to make a new metal record and maybe all of that colored my opinion of this album for me because everyone's like oh yeah it's just pure fucking thrash but on Realist and I'm like bro this is just speed nah, metal this is just speed metal this is, feels more like speed metal like it gets thrashier I get but like Thrashes had like at the time of this recording, it's definitely have developed into definitely like a lot more stronger in definition yeah. than what this record was definitely coming off. I'm as. also kind of biased because next week is Ride the Lightning, which spoiler alert is just straight up my favorite Metallica album. It's a lot of people's favorite Metallica album. In fact, I think it's most people's favorite Metallica album. But it's that fucking good. <laughs> All right, for sure. All right, we're gonna stop and then we're gonna go into the main event. Yep. 
All right, listeners, to anyone that's coming straight from the timestamps, it's now time for the main event. Ed, good host Ed, tell us, what did we watch this week? All right. What are, you, what are we doing for the main event? The main event here is a real hood classic. It's uh, Oh, yeah, it's straight hood classic. It's one of the slasher genres, cultiest of cult classics. This is a movie that has it all. Yeah, this Sleep is, Away Camp. Yeah, this is definitely one of the VHS store like cult classic <laughs> movies or so. Cheesy acting, mid to sometimes subpar or bad actors. Oh, no. It's, Sex and violence. Uh, no, this is like, it's bad acting all around. Yeah, surprising and surprisingly prescient social commentary and a surprisingly well put together plot twist. Yeah, it's an odd movie. It is an odd movie. It's a weird one. There's a lot of good. Here's the thing. It's one of those things. It's a victim of good ideas. Yeah, just not have the tools for good execution so as i said before just as a little overview this movie is famous for its plot twist and how it's uh foreshadow it's one of the only slasher movies that you could say you know what you can almost rewatch that i mean yeah you can rewatch any movie you want but in the sense of like rewatching it to get like clues and hints and stuff yeah you get to get stuff where it's like oh my god there's like stuff that actually comes off where huh if you actually know there's stuff that kind of like Oddly tells you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It had a $350,000 budget, which I was like, how much is that, is that in today's money? Three hundred and fifty k back then was over a billion dollars in today's money. No, it's not. Well, that's what I looked up on the... No, no, no. I checked that. I think you did your math wrong. Well, how much was it then? Well, let me get the inflation cal- calculator okay. up. Yeah, 350000 And this was made in 1982, right? Yeah. Or was it 83? I'm sure. Well, it came out in 83, so it had to be made between 81 and 82. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. What's it say? I'm not there yet. Oh, sorry. Well, anyway, uh, it ended up uh, from back. So back then, it made it was made with $350,000, and it made $11 million over its time. Not bad for what people initially just wrote off as a uh, Friday the 13th ripoff, which yeah. it is, but... So 35... The first one, specifically, with Pamela Voorhees. So 35,000, like... No, 350,000. All right, 350,000 would be... Would it cost $1 Oh, maybe maybe all the zeros confused me. All right, well, maybe Well, a million dollars, and then so if they made 11 million, then that means that it would have made a billion then, right? Oh, let me type in... Let me type in 11 million then. What is eleven million in nineteen eighty two? Nineteen eighty two or nineteen eighty three? No, eighty three. Wait, that yeah, my bad. That's when it made the money. It would be uh thirty two million seven hundred and nine. Okay, so I was technically right because I have thirty two billion, but I I guess I was just off by the zeros. No, I meant I had You're off no, by no, three no, no. fucking zeros. <laughs> no, I meant. I was right in the sense of the 32. You got the first two numbers right. I was just off by about seven. Well, either way. So the movie opens. After three minutes of opening credits. No, seriously, I I counted. Yes, um, and it's three fucking minutes. Like, literally, the thing opens up with the title of Sleepaway Camp. Which the camp isn't even called Sleepaway Camp. It's called, like, Arakala Camp or something. Yeah, or something. Either we get the, like, opening title scroll. Over a New England looking ass lake. 
Yeah. And establishing shots of the camp itself. And bro, this opening credit music is fucking annoying. It's not What's the horror? It's the fucking Friday the 13th ripoff like horror music. Yeah, but we do have audio of suppose of like people occupying these empty shots. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. That's kind of no, no. cool. And then like we see a for sale sign. I'm like, ooh, foreshadowing. Oh, <laughs> something bad's gonna happen at this camp. And then the first, and then the first thing we hear are these kids talking. And I'm gonna be honest, the one thing I forgot about this movie is all the New York accents. I just wrote down. I'm like, I guess we're in like New England. And then we hear like literally these kids talking. I'm like. Yeah, we're definitely in New England. Don't get that pail of water on me. I did not, you liar. I did not, you liar. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun review. It's like, we go to find Devereaux. <laughs> Angela, we need to find Devereaux. Angela, you're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. Oh, okay. If everyone, so wants, if to anyone that wants to go review our uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, where I die laughing at, the, <laughs> at we're doing an impersonation of Ace Freely. You'll never hear two people that dislike Kiss more than us hearing us talk about Kiss. Yes. So then we had. There's also some folks water skiing as uh, these two kids and their dad uh, that we were talking about earlier. There's some folks water skiing near them, and the guy working the boat is being bothered by a lady to let him drive the boat. Yeah, come on, let me drive the boat. <laughs> and he's hey, like, "You want me, me to lose my job? You want me to lose my job? Who's no one's gonna see you? Just <laughs> let me drive the boat." I'm like, "Ma'am, it's broad daylight." Yeah. So anyway, so the so the kids and the dad are chilling, whatever, and they uh, they topple over into the water because they're all standing, whatever. And of note, um, <clears throat> the girl drives the boat into the family without anyone noticing until it's like right up there. Like literally, the family accidentally knocks the boat, like knocks over the boat, and you're like, ha ha, fun times. But then you just got this lady just like, hey, let me drive the boat. I don't know how to drive the boat. And then she starts yeah. full speeds and then runs over the family that like got like friggin' like t- like friggin' tipped over. We get it's not even no- just that. The boat hits the dad right in the face. Oh my god, yeah. And I need to point this out. There's a dude who's on the shore trying to get their the their uh the dad's attention, right? We never learned this guy's name, but when the boat hits the guy, it does a reaction shot on the guy and he said and he says the guy's name John but he's not like John it's like John this is how he says it he goes John man gets hit in the face of the boat he's dead and he goes John <laughs> is it either you scream out loud or you just whisper out like John like it was an aggressive whisper. So either way, I'm, I have a feeling the fucking dad's dead as fucking shit. Yeah, we see him face first in and the water. And we see one of the kids get hit. And I'm like, it comes off looking like the sun. Yeah. The, I'm uh, guessing. Yeah, we see one of the kids thrashing about in the water. And yeah, then, we got like this one kid just yelling, oh my God, they're dead. They're so dead. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, this kid's just so annoying right now. Yeah, the yeah, because it was the lady on the ski and she just, listen, I understand you're what you're what you just witnessed two people die but she will not shut up oh my god someone help them for like a minute dude. she's like they're dead it's like i'm feeling they're fucking dead god damn so then some years later now we cut to a house where a woman calls for her children i think her name's aunt martha or something yeah i'm gonna try to recreate this best i can hurry sweeties we don't want to be late for the bus goodness no now that wouldn't do at all. 
Richard, Angela. It's the worst acting you've oh, yeah, ever no, this seen mom in your is life. Like weird and stiff. Like, like, dude, she is acting stiff. One of, the, one of the most famous scenes from this movie, it's kind of a meme, was when she hands them the, the bag of goodies. I packed some goodies for your trip. Wasn't that nice of me? Hmm. Then the son's like, there ain't chips in there. And she's like, why, of course. I believe there's a whole bag. <laughs> she says it just like that, dude. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you can tell there's something off about this woman. Like, yeah, there's this some woman, bad acting. Here's the thing. The woman's acting like she's in a silent movie. Yeah. But then she's also screaming out her lines. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's just bad acting. But then there's something just feels off about her. Oh, yeah. No, no. As like, there is partially as her character. There's a little off. She about mes- her as a character. She mentions to them specifically. And which does play later into the plot. Yeah. She and it isn't just, oh, this person's fucking sucks at acting and they're wooden. No, partially their character is as they're weird and wooden. Yeah. So um, she mentions them specifically before they head out for the, for the uh, bus to take them to summer camp. She specifically mentions that she has their physical. See, she's a doctor and you need a physical to go to camp. Well, we find out she's a doctor and like yeah. she's got physicals for the kids to go to camp. She tells them, now don't tell anyone where these paper come from or how you got them. Angela, the, the girl, there's, so there's two kids. There's Richard and Angela. And Angela in the meantime has this fat thousand yard stare going on the yep. whole time. I have a feeling Angela was like one of the kids kids that like the kid that survived the fucking boat freaking run over that is what is presented to us because yes. they do name the kids early uh in that first scene it was peter and angela so yeah so they get to camp and first thing i need to mention the short shorts yep there's a lot of dude leg in this movie yeah dude, I sent that's you the, the time period i sent you the picture of white james of white james goals remember that yeah i remember yeah. that uh, yeah, i know the homeboy I the think- mullet bro oh dude that freaking like I don't know I don't think you'd call that a mullet I would have to relook nah, that picture. Okay. Well, anyway, kids are running off the bus and uh, we see some of the staff, specifically uh, the this cook guy. I think his name's Artie with the pedo goatee. Three other dudes and an older black guy. And this Artie dude's opening line, the first thing he says when the kids come running, look at all that young fresh chicken. Where I come from, we call them baldies. Mm. Makes your mouth water, doesn't it? He says, and I'm just like, oh. Oh. oh my god! Then the old black dude says, "Artie, this is exactly how he says it. They are too young to even understand what's on your mind. Like all friendly and shit. Oh god! And then he says, "Hey, good buddy, there ain't no such thing as being too young. You're just too old." And then he, and then the black guy laughs, walks away laughing, like. <laughs> well, homeboy's supporting his boss's fucking pedophilia then. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine. So the camera focuses um, on this dude for a minute. Uh, yeah, this focuses on this guy, this arty dude, as, he's, as he ogles these children. Ricky and Angela, after running into one of Ricky's friends named Paul. Yeah. He tells him, hey, Ricky. Wait till you get a hey, load Ricky. of Wait till you get a load of Judy. Puts his hands out in front of his chest like this, like woom woom. Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Like, wow, this is so 80s. Yeah, I just wrote down Ricky says what's up to his good friend, and then he tells us, Oh yeah, some chick Judy grew some boobs. <laughs> oh man. Which uh, we see Judy. Yeah. I know I wrote down it. She looks like a dirtbag counselor, but no, she's just hanging out with the counselors. Yeah, he tries to this, this, this Or no, uh, no, no, she was hanging out with 
older boys. Yeah, yeah. He tries to Ricky, Ricky tries to say hi to Judy, but she shines him on because he Smooth. implies they had something last summer. In the girls' cabin, the girls are unpacking, and we meet their counselor, Meg, M-E-G, as mm-hmm. she makes sure to spell out, who seems to be the leader around those parts. I think Meg is the, like, counselor. Yeah. Or is the cabin leader. Yeah. And I she, think Meg's a counselor. And then she introduces her number two, who's, like, actually kind of nice, but I never got her name. Dude, The fuck. short, the red hair one. Yes, the red hair nice yeah. counselor. And we see Angela staring her down. Her eyes aren't wandering. I thought she was like staring down Judy. Yeah, Judy. I meant to. Yeah. She's staring. uh, She's staring down Judy. Her eyes aren't wandering or anything. She's just staring holes through her. Staring down Judy. And it freaks her out. And then Judy's like, what are you looking at? Why not take a picture or something? (laughs) Why not take a picture? So then we cut to the lunchroom, the cafeteria. Meg brings, um, Mike brings a uh, white James, who I learned here was named Ronnie. Yep, the dude, the Ronnie, which I wrote down the buff fit. Ronnie, head, Ronnie, the buff fit head counselor. She says Angela hasn't eaten any food, and and she casually mentions she hasn't spoken a word in three days. Spoken a word in three days. Oh, Angela, we can't allow, we can't have that happen here. How about we take you into the kitchen? Maybe the chefs might be able to make something that you'll like. Yeah, Ronnie's a nice guy. And that's yeah, no, what he Ronnie kind of comes off good. Yeah. Actually, his acting doesn't suck. No, his doesn't. Like, genuinely. He's like, why don't we take a walk in the kitchen to see if we could get something you like, eh, Angela? Yeah, he kind of comes off as like, you know, he he's good at his job. Yeah, he likes his job. Yeah. Also... He has the goddamn shortest shorts on. I know I just commented on well, it, but homie, if you're his shorts out. in this scene, the red ones, they were basically red tidy whitey. I'm just saying, like, if you're a buff as him, like, you can get away with red <laughs> shorts like that. Ronnie and Angela go into the kitchen and they meet Artie and literally he's like, and, and Ronnie clearly doesn't know what Artie gets up to. So he's like, hey, Artie, this is Angela. Artie gets, leans like really close into her face like this and he goes, well, hello, Angela. Hello, Angela. Hey, yo, Artie, can you get us some ice cream or a pizza pie or something? Okay, he doesn't say that last part, but the pizza pie bit. Then Artie, ta- so he's like, yeah, sure, I think there might be something in the walk-in. So Ronnie fucking leaves, and Artie takes Angela into the walk-in, and oh my God, this was uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah like literally freaking Artie takes Angela in the walk-in, and he's about to unbuckle his pants. As he calls her a sweet little cupcake, but thank the Lord. Well, Rick- you, you sweet little cupcake man in the mask. <laughs> I just want to rub you all over me. Sorry, I had to go William Regal. Either way, <laughs> Ricky comes in into the free yeah, walk in and, he, like, and he was able to catch him. And then Artie was like, Ricky's like, what are you doing? And then like Artie grabs him. You didn't see anything, you punk. Hey, I didn't see anything. What are you doing? And it's like, Angela, let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And then the like freaking chef goes back to doing his job. And it's like, hey, Artie, what's going on? And he's like, nothing. I didn't do nothing. He's like, oh, you don't see, you're His not. His belt's still partially unbuckled. Yeah, I was by like, yeah, way. you don't act like you were guilty of something. Yeah, he's not sus at all. No, no. So cut to later in the kitchen, and Artie. Well, it's like still in the kitchen. Oh, it's still in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. It's the- like because like eventually it's like Artie has this absurdly giant fucking pot. Apparently, that's actually called a cauldron. Yeah. Either way, a giant fucking cauldron where he is like cooking so, where he's basically boiling some water as he's prepping to cook a stew yeah and then most of the staff bounces out so it's just Artie in there you know just checking this pot making sure it's boiling water big pot we're talking scalding hot water yeah but then we see a pov shot of someone walking in yeah i call it the killer cam oh the killer cam yeah like in friday one so when we see things from the 
viewpoint of someone coming in from the kitchen. Artie's on like a stool, like over the pot because he's like checking it. The person pushes the stool, so he's like he falls over and he's perched over. He's got like his hands on like a shelf or something, but he can't move, otherwise he'll risk toppling over onto the thing. So he's trying to be like, Hey kid, what are you doing? He's like, you know It's like, Hey kid, what are you doing? Because like this kid shoves him. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, don't play around. He's like, hey, let me down. I'll make you a nice ice cream. Then the kid's like almost taunting him. The 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 kid here keeps moving away. He's like, and then he's like, I'll rip your fucking head off. So then eventually the stool gets kicked away, and then he goes toppling down with carrying all- this fucking cauldron, and then it's just fucking splashed all over full body with this fucking boiling water. Bro, the burn effects on the guy were pretty gnarly. Yeah, it was he, pretty. And kind of annoyingly, he's screaming his head off. We hear him for like it feels like two minutes yeah but yeah like sinner is like i get it you're in pain but then when like we see paramedics come up he's still screaming it's like yeah no i think he's in a lot of pain yeah <laughs> yeah they also uh, it's never followed up on but uh, they also ask uh, hey what about his eyes because some of that water got on her in his eyes so he might be so we never know if he dies from his wounds but uh, he also might be blind if he lives but at the same time we don't care because he's a fucking pedophile yeah. so fuck him medical types take him away and the owner of the camp who i learned later on his name is mel yeah um he shoes them out as quick as he can oh, so, so, the- so wait, with those nothing that happened here yeah so most so the kids don't get disturbed but mostly so their parents don't complain he bribes the other chef and the other guys with into silence with a 50 dollar and 15 dollar raise specifically which i looked up the inflation it would be uh 150 dollars more a week with the 50 dollars now i didn't see the like the what did you say what was the raise um, so he gave the black dude $50 more a week because he's the head chef now. And he gave the other, like, I guess, janitor dudes 15 extra dollars. Oh, okay. Keep the incident quiet. You're the head chef now. Don't get back to work. Now the boys get ready to play some baseball. This, this, uh, this dude in a crop top named Gene, who's probably the most New York guy here. He's like, Hey, now you guys better win. Yeah. I got five bucks on you guys. I got five bucks on you youngsters. Yeah. They play baseball for a while. Nothing notable. Oh, you didn't catch the prank? With, oh, right. The um, Yeah, you didn't get like the, the, like, the Ricky. Yeah, you didn't have like Ricky sitting there prepping up the boys. And you got like this one kid that gets foot as the butt end of these like pranks. <laughs> where he's sitting <laughs> there, he's like covered his eyes. And he's just sitting like, mine over matter. Mine over matter. When I like take this off, you're going to be able to shoot straight up. You're going to shoot straight up in a sick fucking ab crunch. And then when he like takes it off and the kid shoots straight up, his face goes straight into some other kid's fucking asshole. So Yeah, yeah. And then the kid's they, name was Mozart. Well, Mozart gets fucking pranked, <laughs> and then they go off and play some baseball. The baseball, nothing really notable happens. It's inoffensive filler. The, the them all yelling at each other is funny. There's a, a lo- kind of famous line from this uh, from this scene where uh, one of the counselors named Bill, he's like, "Eat shit and die, Ricky." And then Ricky's like, "Eat shit and live, Bill." Eat shit and live, Bill. That's pretty. Yeah, much no, Ricky's it. just sitting there, just like talking shit with like this one dude named Billy. And then, yeah, no, they freaking just playing some baseball. I don't know if they made a wager or not, but either way, Ricky's team wins. Yeah. Then after that, uh, later that night, there's a real box social going on. Yeah, dude, there's a social going on. With music and shit. And some of the guys are like, hey, yo, Floyd, let's go skinny dipping. He didn't say his name. Yeah, no, we got like goobers like trying to dance at the dance kickback. And, and then like some of them like dare each other. It's like, hey, yo, you should go up and then, uh, ask Angela. She wants to come out to the lake. Yeah. So they decide to ask Angela, although they're intimidated because, uh, as one of them says, she's fucked up. She's fucked up. 
So they ask her. She stares and stares at her. It just gives them the silent treatment. Richard Ricky walks in with a 10-gallon hat and a shirt that says Converse on it. That was I just wanted to point He's that out. He's wearing a Converse shirt. And they start harassing her and just like fucking with her. And Rich, like, what are you fucked up in the head, Angela? Why the fuck won't you talk? And Ricky's like, hey, dick face. That's actually what he said. Hey, dick face, leave her alone. So they fight for a yeah, bit. Yeah, like a brawl happens between Ricky and these goons, but then it gets broken up. Ron, uh, Ronnie takes uh, yeah, Ricky got, away. There's a lot of just like Ricky being held back and just him staying. He's like, I'll fucking kill you. I'll fucking get you. Get, I'll get you guys that's back. That's like half his dialogue in the movie. Yeah, that's literally it. It was a lot of him just like fucking screaming like profanity at people. He's decently convincing at it, I'd say. Yeah. So anyway, and then, but um, Ricky's friend Paul stays behind and tries to talk to Angela, comfort her, you know? Yeah, Paul's just talking to Angela. She still stares blankly, but there's a little twinge of a smile. Angela's actor, I I wrote here. Yeah, I'm like, you know, she's not half bad here. Or in this well, movie. she didn't have to do much. Yeah, he leaves and he says good night. And then she good night, Angela. And then she says her first words of the whole movie. She says good night back. And I'm like, you know what? And Paul's kind of sweet. Yeah, and Paul's all stoking. So the guys fail at getting the girls to go skinny dipping with them. There's a scene where a bunch of them are trying to be like, hey, come on, girls, go jump in with us. And then we see a lot of man ass as they all run in. Yep, we see a lot of boy ass, not man ass. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's supposed to be a lot of them are like late teenagers, so fuck That's us. That's right. And you know what? I, I don't know but if you know this. They I'll... actually used like actual adolescent actors for this movie. Yep. But anyway, there's this one guy named like, no, Kenny. It's like, yeah, no, like literally, hold on. We just talked about these dudes. They're trying to make these like, you know, hey, let's all go skinny dipping. There's a group yeah. of girls like, come on, girls. You know what you want? It was like, how about you boys go in? You're not fine. Screw you, girls. We don't need you. So all these boys just go in all skinny dipping together with no chicks. And I'm like, yeah, Oof. I'm like, you guys are a bunch of fucking dorks. <laughs> Can't get some fucking girls straight skinny dip with you. Shit. But there's this one guy, Kenny, who I think was one of the guys harassing Angela. He convinces a girl to go on a canoe with him. Oh, yeah, I did. The, I just wrote him down as the Blue Oyster Cult shirt, bro. He was the one wearing Blue Oyster Cult. Yep. Yeah. So then they're in the so they're in the boat, right? And there's a little scene for a while where he's trying to mess there because, you know. They're, they're, he's rocking the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause one of the rock in the kayak. Cause one thing that, you know, was kind of an old trope in eighties movies or just in courting or whatever was the guy pretends to like scare the girl, you know, so they'll run to them for cover. So he's like, Oh, there's some snapping turtles in this lake. You could get eaten alive. He's like, shut up, Kenny. So he topples over the boat. And if I remember right, we don't see her again, but someone surfaces up from the boat. He's like, well, we see her like she like falls out and then she swims back to shore. He's like, she does. She's That's like, right. fuck you, Kenny. You fucking lame. And then Kenny's like, oh, fine. I'm going to dive on her boat. I'm going to see how sick this is. And then someone pops their head out of the water in front of him. It's like, hey, what the fuck you doing here? He's like, man, I bet the boys would be really interested to see you out here. And then that person who we don't see uh, shows up underwater. Yeah, Drowning basically him. drowns him to death. Oof. So then next, then, uh, the next day, someone uh, finds the body, someone that works there or whatever. Yeah. And uh, another great effect here, he finds a dead body. It's like they did like a mold of the kid and it's all fucked up from the water. There's yeah. a snake crawling out of his mouth. It's fucking metal, dude. So they haul the kid away, and once again, uh, there's a cop there, so the owner is quick to make it about how, oh, well, clearly this was an accident, even biting Ronnie's head off as he's trying to say something to the cop. Eventually, Mel uh, heads out, 
And the cop, before he leaves, is like, he turns to Ryan's like, hey, weren't you saying something before? And he says, I swear I remember that kid being a good swimmer because because uh, Mel was trying to be like, well, the tipped over, he panicked and hit his head. You yeah. know, it was an accident. I'm sure it's just an accident. Just an accident. I don't know. I think he's in fear of being fucking sued because a fucking kid die on his fucking camp. Yeah. But then, but then Ryan's like, I swear he was a good swimmer. I swear he was a good swimmer. Pretty good swimmer. So the next... We see girls playing volleyball. Shit. Yeah, girls playing volleyball. Except Paul, Angela. We see Angela just kind of off in the distance, just kind of just staring, watching him play volleyball. Paul goes up to Angela and they talk for a bit. He asks her if, um, hey, think we could go to the movie tonight together? And she's like, well, don't we have to go to the movies? He said, well, yeah, but I want to go together, basically. Well, I, I want to go to the movies with you. And then you just see Julia, I mean, Judy, just all like kind of hanging out there playing. It's like, oh, man, I go... Why does Angela get to talk to boys? Keep in mind, she's only Angela has only talked to two, except for the two that bullied yeah, her. Yeah, why is Angela talking to boys? I wrote. I, why can't we? What is she special or something? And I wrote here in my notes. I wrote, "Shut up, Meg." Yeah, shut up. Which then Meg then goes up and then tells her, "Hey, you can't talk to boys." But then the redhead counselor comes up like, "Hey, just chill out." Freaking, it's just like an easy conversation. And then Meg goes. Ugh. Whatever. <laughs> Later that night... Um, we see the peeps walking out of the movie function. Yeah, we don't even see the movie, which I'm fine with. Paul walks Angela back to the cabin, except not really, because he takes her behind the cab. She's like, where are we going? Well, come here. I want to show you something. And then out of nowhere, he kisses her. This which freak- then you just see Angela just going, mm, okay. This freaks her out a little bit, it seems, and she leaves. And then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And he's like, he's like, well, no, come on. Is, is, is everything all right? She's like, I'm not mad. I need to go now. And then once she walks in, Judy comes over and tries to seduce Paul. And he blows her off. I forget what he says Whatever, exactly. Judy. But yeah. Next day at the old swimming hole, Paul is hanging out with Angela. But Meg comes up. And really? I thought, well, I'm about to say, it's like, we hold it. You like skip over the boys pranking Mozart again with the shaving cream. I swear I thought I wrote that. My bad. Either well, way. Anyway, yeah, they do that. And then, like, Mozart tries to fight Ricky, but then Chino, the, ki- the camp counselor, walks up and tells him to chill out. And then Paul gets hazed because he kissed a girl. Yeah. Yeah, like, he gets dogpiled by the other boys. Like, oh, Paul kissed a girl. It's like, they all being hating because they, they Paul, start calling him lover boy. Oh, lover boy. All these guys be mad jelly. So then the next day at the old swimming hole, Paul is hanging out with Angela, but Meg comes up and starts progressively screaming at her uh, because uh, because Angela never responds yeah, to her. Yeah, why don't you fucking respond to us? Why are you fucking special? Why won't you fucking answer? It's kind of like that. Yeah, and and she's also making a big deal about how Angela never like goes into the water. and She starts like grabbing her by the shoulders and shaking her and shit. And then Ronnie's like, hey, what's going on over here? Hey, what's going on? Hey, yo, Meg, I want to see you in my office. Which actually, we don't see the follow-up to that. No, but... He sends her um, away. We, now we cut to the girls' cabin. Uh, Judy's gotten out of the shower and she starts harassing Angela. This is one of the movie's other famous scenes because I didn't know this, but researching for the movie, Judy here is actually kind of iconic in the slasher film uh, community because she's, uh, and this is directly ripped from TV tropes, she's one of the best bitches in the slasher genre. Like, she was a really good bitch. She starts harassing Angela, throwing a pillow at her and shit, and then she says, she says, how come you never shower when the rest of us do? And you then, queer 
or something. You queer something. You ain't reached puberty. I bet you ain't even got your period. I'm like, what the fuck? I bet you haven't got your period. And then you guys like, Judy, leave Angela alone. Come I'm trying on. to think. Did, unless you're a flat out exploitation film, did 80s films talk like this? Maybe. But anyway, yeah. Then the nice counselor lady's like, hey, knock it off. So G's, so Judy tells her just like she goes, fuck off. She's got like the big wide eyes. Well, and yeah, stuff. well, you can just fuck off. And then the count and the counselor lady slaps her. It was like, hey, let's just slap the fucking kid. And no, he's I'm like, oh my God. I'm going like, to be honest. I don't know if Judy's a good actress was good or not, but I tell you what, she did the role pretty good. We cut to the enough. This is like you know what Judy's just kind of not cool. Yeah, like at the time it's like Judy, what? Why are you tripping out so fucking hard? So then, but then we see these like uh, shirtless, uh, shirtless bros throwing water bottles at each other, water balloons on 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 a yeah on a roof. I'm like fuck that. (laughs) But we just see that we see these guys. We see Billy and his like goons going ha ha throwing water balloons at each other. It's like hey check this they're fucking Angela. They throw one at Angela and then Angela get fucking just like gets smacked and she curls up on the ground. And then Ricky comes up like you motherfuckers, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah, I wrote I wrote here. I said well. Ricky's screaming bloody murder again. Oh, he just curses at them, and then the owner rolls up and regulates the situation. It's like, hey, you guys, stop doing that. Come on. <laughs> Fucking don't act like that. We see the we see Billy and the douches all head to their cabin. Bill, they're, they want to go somewhere and do something, right? But Billy's like, hey, I got to hey. take a Billy. I got to drop a good shit. He said, I got to take a wicked dump, his words, not mine. And so he's a dumping. And so, so he's in the bathroom. Someone takes a broom and puts it like in between the door handles so he can't open it. And then now they're at the back and they take a knife and they like cut the plastic window pane or whatever. They cut like the, like, they cut the screen. Yeah, that's it. And they cut they, open the screen and then they throw a beehive in there with Billy. I guess a big beefy old beehive, which then Billy's like, "Oh my god!" He gets stung to death. Death like, by bees, bro. Yeah, like he crack, like he finally breaks open the door, but he's like cr- breaks open the door dead, and there's just bees all over his body, all yeah. stung to death. They're not like wasps or anything. They're just they're just honeybees. Yeah, this is that. But even that, like I'm sure gets stung to that death. That death was terrifying sucks. to me because I respect bees for what they do with the plant, but I hate bees. Yeah, you don't want to be stung to death by Billy here. Hold it, we're gonna take a quick pause break. Unless you just want to carry on no, while I go well, take a piss. Yeah, what's up? I got a piss. Oh, okay, I'll just so, wait. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'm back from peeing. All right. So, so after Billy got stung to death by bees, so we cut to Ronnie and Mel, and Mel's just Mel's just like, I'm fucked, bro. I'm fucked. Well, yeah. <laughs> Two kids died at his camp. He's basically is fucked. And he, like his camp is done. And then he starts ranting and raving. He's like, it's his fault. I know it's his fault. I know it's his fault. And he doesn't say who he's talking about, but he goes on how I've seen the hate in his eyes. Uh, Ronnie calms him down. He's and, like, what are you talking about? Chill, homie. Come on, just chill. Ronnie, like, oh. Ronnie calms him down and we cut to Angela waiting around for someone. Yeah, yeah. Angela's kind of hanging out. We see a POV like camera that comes up and Sneaks behind Angela and oh hey it's Paul. Paul sneaks up on her and they go to the beach and they have a super crazy cheesy romantic moment. Yeah, they're first. just sitting out just casually making out in the sand. Like bro, but Paul hear- wants to go to second base though. Yeah, and Angela like says no, Paul, please don't. And he's like, oh come on, I it's like I oh, don't worry, I won't hurt you. 
And he continues on, and Angela's all reluctant. But then we start getting images of Angela's childhood. Oh, yeah. Then it takes a turn. So, so to reiterate, they're legit frolicking in the sand with over-the-top romantic music. They're rolling around. He's kissing her. It's like every t- 80s teenage boy. And he starts to unbutton the shirt. And then after trying to communicate, you know, hey, I don't want to, she kind of blanks out for a bit. And then we cut to what looks like kind of a dark room and we see two kids, Angela and Peter, we assume. Yeah. In a dark room and they're giggling at something. And then eventually we cut away and see that that's something they're giggling at is their father. And do you all remember the man I told you about earlier that was trying to wave him over that said that went, John. Uh, Turns out this man was his lover. Yeah. Then Peter and Angela sit on a bed. The camera spins round and round as Peter points to Angela. He like looks down at her chest and then she looks down at his chest as she gets more and more visibly upset. And then it cuts back to the present where she pushes off Paul and runs away. I'm like, what the fuck was this Evangelion shit? Yeah, yeah. I was just sitting there. I have a feeling Angela wasn't fucking comfortable going second base right there. Next day, the counselors organize everyone to play capture the flag. Paul tries to make peace with Angela, but she's distant. It's not yeah. really talkative as to why she was uncomfortable. She runs off into the woods while Judy tries to seduce Paul. Ricky here catches up to Angela and he's trying to like, hey, Angela, why don't you help me catch the flag? I don't really feel like playing, Ricky. Well, if you help me catch the flag, you won't have to play anymore. Okay. <laughs> uh, what do you want me to do, Ricky? So he comes up with a plan. They split up. But- yeah, like they're going to sneak through the woods because like this game's on a big old open field. But it's like, hey, you know, we can sne- sneak through the woods. We can get like going behind and then we'll like work our way back and stuff. Yeah. But walking through the woods. Ricky, um, well, we at first see Paul getting kissed by Angela. There's yeah. a little dialogue before that, but she's just like, she, I don't know what it was. It was basically something to the effect of, come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. And then, yeah, they kiss out and then Angela catches up to them. Uh, sees she them. sees them like kissing and then she's like bounces out. Uh oh, spaghetti. I think Paul fucked up. So. Angela's upset. Ricky's upset. I was disappointed. And Angela. (laughs) Well, yeah, because, like, okay, so the kissing without consent thing and then trying to do the second base thing, like, that sucks. I'm like, oh, come on, Paul. But other than that, Paul's been a pretty good guy throughout the movie. Yeah. He's just been a little horny. So Paul tries to apologize, like, hey, Angela, Babooey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Angela, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. But Angela just, like, you know, gives him the good old silent treatment. And this bitch Judy comes over and taunts Angela some more. Oh, you guys already back together? Driving Paul away as she gaslights him. Yep. So then... Uh, as 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 Paul tries to continue pathetically apologizing to Angela so when he eventually leaves this is by the at the near the lake by the way (gasps) Ricky gets stopped by the owner uh, by Mel to talk to him it's like hey Ricky uh how, we haven't really had much of a, we, yeah. yeah, we haven't had much of a chance to talk. Yeah, how's your uh, summer been? Intercut with that is Meg coming over to Angela and Judy, literally after some bullshit, picking Angela up and is carrying her to the lake with yeah, the intention like, Come to on, toss Angela, her in. Why don't you get in the water? You know we're gonna put you in the water. And Angela has been silent the whole time, giving the silent treatment. But the second that Meg makes it clear she wants to throw her in the water, she starts screaming like, "No, don't throw me in the water!" And Ricky sees this happening and he's about to go try to run off but Mel here holds him back because it was made clear it's it like whoa, whoa, whoa why are you running off to go save her or something what yeah. are you gonna do to those kids or something yeah 
And then he started, because the idea was it was implied he thought that Ricky was the killer. Now he's just full on, like, coming out with it. I know you killed him. Killed who? What are you talking about? Don't fucking lie to me. And then Ronnie comes up, Mel, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) And then Ricky then runs off and goes and gets Angela from the water, which obviously Angela got dumped in the water by Mel and Judy. I mean, Meg and Judy. Meg and Judy, yeah. Ricky pulls. There's a lot of fucking names to remember in this. Ricky pulls her out and he comforts her and he says a line that says, "We won't let them get away with this." Oh, we also That's for sure. Oh yeah, we also see kids because like you know Angela's all wet and we see all these youngsters fucking kicking sand at Angela too. So, sorry, drink water. Yeah, that's important for later. So after that, later that night, the counselors are being instructed what to do. But one of them, well, they're like getting jobs. Some are going to get in the night off. One of them, a guy named one of them is Meg, which is important. But one of them, a guy named Eddie, is told he's taking a few of the boys camping. Uh, you're you're instructed to take your ca- cabin out to camp under the stars tonight. Oh, come on, really? I don't want to do that. What the fuck else are you doing there then? That's your fucking <laughs> job. It is a summer camp, and then Meg stays behind, and um, out of nowhere, she goes to talk to Mel, yep. and she says, "Hey." Remember that dinner you promised me sometime? Hey, you want to take me out for dinner? And he's like, like you promised me? Oh. He's like, oh, sure. Uh, like 9, 9.30. Like See 9, you then. See you then, boss man. And I'm just like, mm. Mm. So back in the girls' cabin, tellingly, minus Judy, all the girls don't, uh, um, uh, minus Judy, everyone seems to not like Meg right now because she goes there, tries to take a shower, but they pretty much are just kind of stonewalling her well, in. Well, I think it's just like there was just a big old line to the showers, so the showers are just kind of like slammed with people, and she's like, alright, I need to get a shower, so she goes off to another cabin that's empty. Yeah, she's showering. But then we see Angela stare menacingly. Yeah. Well, also, you know, Meg did like throw her in the water, so I'm sure Angela's like fucking wants to like stare daggers into her. <laughs> and then so pretty much, so she goes next door, she's showering, and then we see someone walk into the cabin and then, uh, literally, without much warning, yeah, we see the person come in, and then, bam, knife right in Meg's back. Yeah, right through the fucking drywall or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck they stabbed through, whatever that knife is, but either way, Meg's just, like, stabbed through the back and then just sliced down. Yeah. So, Meg is dead, you guys. She's super dead, you guys. Angela then walks out of the rec center. We see Paul try to apologize to her again. She doesn't accept, but she turns away, and she says... Meet me at the waterfront after the social. And Paul's like, okay. Oh, man, it's coming. Back with Eddie. There's a lot happening right now, by the way, everybody. Yeah. This is, I think the movie genuinely had some pretty good editing, but the last like 20 minutes of this movie, it's shoveling a lot at you. So, yeah, we see Eddie. He's with the kids, like, they're at at the camp. And then you got a couple kids going, Eddie, it's cold. And he's like, oh, I don't care. (laughs) Come on. I'm like really cold. Okay, fine. I'll take you back to my car. Yay. And as like Eddie takes a couple kids off, we see a POV of the killer as they grab an axe. And we see like, see them grab an axe. And then we like the POV shot sees them staring at the freaking other kids. Unless you saw them hack at him. No, no. Those kids get hacked at. Yeah. Um, and then Mel, he's looking for Meg. He goes to the, which by the way, someone pointed this out to me. I don't know if like 
because they throw that whole Mel and Meg thing right there in that moment. So I don't know if the other counselors know of their weird thing, but no one's no one seems like disturbed or is questioning the fact like, hey, why the fuck is Mel asking for Meg so much? But he goes to the social. No one knows where she is. Hey, well, where's Meg? Goes to the cabin where Judy, the girl's cabin where Judy's making out with a hot guy. Yeah, Judy's like, you know, making out with a boy. And then she's like, oh, well, and then he hides and she's like, well, he he went next door to shower. He's yeah, like, yeah, okay. no, Meg went next door to shower. I haven't seen her since, though. And then Judy be all mad because then like when Mel bounces out, then like the guy that Judy was making out with, they're like, hey, I don't feel like getting caught, so I'm just going to leave. Oh, really? You going to be like that? Chicken shit. Yeah, just basically, just yeah, chicken shit. I'm like, oh, Judy gets no dick. <laughs> no dick for you, honey. So so then he heads over to the shower and finds Meg's dead body. And I need to point out. Oh, my God. The acting in this scene. This is amazing. Unless he's trying to act out all 12 stages of grief. <laughs> he just sit there and goes, like, oh, God. Oh, no, Meg, not you. Oh, God. Not Meg, even no. that. He's oh, just yeah. sitting there and like, Oh God! Oh no, Meg! Was oh that, God! Was it really that you? Was it really that monotone? Oh God! Oh, it was like it fit. You got like you got the most monotone face, okay, and you try. gotta go like, oh no! Oh God, Meg! Oh God, no, not you! Oh God, I'm emotion. sorry. What? There's too much. Emotion. You're still doing too much emotion. I wonder if I can find the scene on YouTube. Well, anyway, yeah. So he's like, but then he points out it was him. I had him, and I let him get away. I'll make him pay, Meg. I, I'll I make can't him do pay, his voice. Meg. So then we cut to Judy where she's doing her hair with a curling iron. Yeah, and then someone cracks open the door to the cabin. And, well, the the rip of it I saw on YouTube, I think, was the Blu-ray version. Because in the original, you're not really supposed to see the person's face, but you're just supposed to see their silhouette. In the in the version I watched, you can pretty tell who the actor is. Yeah, I watched the Blu-ray version. I'm like... I watched a high def version and yeah. it looked like this person looked like Ricky. Yeah. Well, I might as well say, yeah, it was Ricky wearing a wig. Yeah. The actor. So then she's like, hey, who's that? And she's like, she's like, well, shut the door. Don't turn on the lights. And then don't say the nothing. Door, turn off the lights. Then the killer. Don't turn on the lights. I don't want to go to the damn social. Then the killer just walks up and punches her in the face, holds a pillow over her face and then um, stabs her uh, curling iron. Somewhere. Somewhere. And they added like a sizzling sound effect too. Yep. Oh, man. So, yeah. It's uh, pretty Judy's brutal. dead, you guys. She's. Actually, no, she's not. So, you know how this movie has like four sequels and a remake? Yeah, well, I totally remember what was up with Judy. So, like oh, yeah. six or seven years ago, they made a short film sequel starring Judy. Huh. Yeah. With the original actress, too. So somehow she lived with curling iron in the, you know. Yeah. So anyway, then we see, we go to the woods where Eddie comes back and sees that the kids that were with him have been butchered. I, I figured. Great job there, Eddie. I remember reading. Some- <laughs> I'm just like sitting there. like he comes back and his kids have been <laughs> slaughtered. I'm like, damn. I remember. Re- I don't think he's going to be hired for a camp counselor job again. I remember reading somewhere that the director really didn't like this scene, but he was kind of forced to shoot it late in development to add to the kill count because some executive, the executives distributing the movie were like, oh, bro, there's too few because this was like the height of the first wave of slasher films. It's like, we so, need more death. Yeah, literally. So he doesn't. Lo- so I always considered this part non-canon because it to me, it doesn't make sense with the story. But what are you yes. talking about? 
it kind of makes sense to the story. Well, it, well, yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, but yeah, the distributors were like, bro, there's too few kills. Which yeah, if you take out those four kills, there's only like seven deaths in this movie, which is fine. I mean, the original Halloween only had like what six. Yeah. But anyway, so meanwhile, Richard, uh, Ricky, I, ha- I keep forgetting. He's walking my notes to the mess Richard. hall. He's like, he's like going like the social's already over. He well, he didn't go because he was feeling ill. Yeah, he was feeling ill, and he was like taking a good nap. Which he's like wants to go. He wants to go in and grab a snack. And he's like, okay, whatever. Ronnie gets a phone call like, hey Ron, these kids are fucking dead, bro. He's like, hey Ronnie, these kids, you know, I took out camping. They got hacked to death. Yeah. Oh God, what what happened? And then, and then Mel comes up from behind Ricky and snatches like, Ricky's, him. Yeah, Ricky's just walking. He's munching and snacking. Like seriously, and, he like sneaks up behind him and drags him in a chokehold, like he's into the woods, like he's solid snake. And then Mel just straight just beats the shit out of Ricky. He beats the shit out of Ricky to the point where. Sorry, spoiler. It's implied that supposedly Ricky dies. Yeah. Not really, though. He just gets beat to shit to almost near death. He's like, and he's like, I got him, Angel. Uh, 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 I got Meg. him, Meg. Just like I said I would. But then, he, but then, like, he has a come to realization moment. He's like, I need to get away from here. Yeah, I just, you know, possibly murdered a <laughs> child. But then he walks into the, like, freaking bows and arrow targeting area, and then he goes, then actually goes face to face with the actual killer that we don't really see. And he's like, oh my God. He says, it can't be. It can't be you. Arrow in the throat. Yeah, that's actually a pretty sick effect how they did with the arrow through the throat. Yeah, it got revealed sort of how it got done. But the effect was actually really noteworthy at the time. And uh, for years, the director never said how they did it to, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's good It's a pretty good effect. So... Then after and then that, Mel, yeah, Mel's dead, you guys. Oh yeah, Mel's dead. So a cop shows up, and which I found out kind of sad whoa, news. Whoa, that whoa, was wait. that actor's last role. Oh my god. Well, well, first we see Paul. He meets up with Angela at the lake. Yeah. And then like Paul's like talking to Angela. Angela's like, "Let's go swimming." And then you see Paul go, "Oh hell's yeah!" Yeah. Well, first we're gonna he's go like, skinny dipping. First he's like, "What about our clothes?" And she said, "Take them off." And I wrote here in my notes. Oh, man, it's coming. Oh, man. So the cop, following a scream, uh, comes across a dead body. The nice camp counselor came across Meg's dead body. And after he walks out and finds it, he has the best. I've just seen some fucked up shit. Thousand yard stare you've ever seen. And I didn't realize until I sent you that picture I took of it, of that scene. He has a painted on, a drawn on mustache. Yep. Did he in in his first scene? I thought it was like just seaweed looking ass mustache. Do you think they shaved it off? He shaved it off for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and then they were just like, well, kind of draw on a mustache. Either way. Yeah, no, mustache looked fucking terrible. Ronnie and the nice counselor lady go to search for someone, and then they hear some humming. They walk over Dude, to Dude, what are you woods. talking about? I'm going to say, hold it. What I missed? I think we're like skipping over. I think we might have skipped over. Well, but there's a point where we see like some people find Ricky. They find Ricky and Ricky's still alive. Oh, that's right. They they do find. But then Ricky we find then, a lady. Yeah. She screams as she found Meg's corpse. And then, bro, this cop has an absurd mustache. <laughs> but then we see Ronnie and the nice counselor. They're walking, and then they hear this humming. They hear this humming, and they go to investigate. And we see from the back, we see a naked Judy. Care- uh, sorry, Judy. Fuck, I'm stupid. Angela. Angela caressing Paul's head. Then from this point, we get a flashback to that fucky aunt from earlier. Yep. Telling telling a kid, oh, you're just going to love it here. We see she's brought this, bought this person. We assume Angela some nice dresses and stuff. 
But we see them from behind, their heads wrapped up. And the aunt goes on about how, I've always wanted a little girl, and there's already a boy in the house, so another simply would not do. Would it, Angela? Angela! Such a lovely name. Like an angel! Why, yes, I'm sure that's what it means. I'm sure you're going to like your new name. Won't you, Peter? He's like, Bam, baby! And then Angela shoots up. Paul's severed head rolls off her legs. Yep. And then we see the shot of her with her mouth agape as the camera pans away. <laughs> Some inhuman hissing coming from her. And, bro, the music that plays during the scene lives rent-free in my head for... Oh, that, the music? That the, oh, yeah, no, the music, the fucking terrifying, like, inhaling hissing. Yeah, yeah. And then we see... There's a penis. There's a... It's like, there's a penis. We see... What Angela is revealed to be a boy. And then you see Ronnie goes, oh, how can it be? Oh, my God. God. She's a boy. Oh, my God. She's a boy. It was Peter the and whole time. And just said, yeah. Instead, you know, just sitting there is like, oh, my God. Angela's a, the killer. Oh, my God. Angela's the killer. Oh, my God. Angela is actually a boy. Oh, my God. Angela's fucking all bloody. And she's got a knife. What the fuck? Yeah. No, they, they and he then, just focuses on the penis. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Because we see the shot of like a naked boy and a penis. And then we just get the close up of Angela's gaping face. <sighs> and then the movie Roll ends. credits. I was like, oh, we don't see how they like, you know, de-escalate and conquer the situation of murderer Angela. No. That's just, just how the movie we is. We don't see this naked, bloody, nude body going around trying to stab people to death. And yeah, there's We don't sequels. see Ronnie use his fucking sick muscles to stop his killer. <laughs> and yeah, there's sequels, but they suck. I mean, the second one's fine. In the second movie- I'm about they to say can... the second and third one, it's just like wacky killer, just wacky yeah. Angela going around and killing people. In the second movie, they confirmed that Ricky and Ronnie and the nice counselor lady did live because Angela spared them because they were nice to her. Which, yeah, so the really interesting thing, the way they achieved, if you notice, um, there's the shot of Angela where clearly it's her girl actor. Right? Yeah, it's clear Angela's face. But, but on the faraway shot, what they did was they had an act, they had this actor guy who he said he would only do the scene if he was super drunk. They had him, they drunk him up, and then he was wearing like a mold of Angela's face. Yeah, like you can see there's a mask shot, but then close up of Angela's face. Like legit, like... The whole, like, that actually was a good scene, but the rest of the movie is just pretty fucking assatory. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I fine, do like this movie, but that plot it's a twist, fine, bro. just It's a fine bullshit popcorn watch. You just hang out and you just want to roast the movie. And you just go, yeah, no, this movie is pretty terrible, but then you get the actual end and it's like, holy fuck, did the movie actually do something good? What the fuck? This is, un- I don't know if I, I've never said this, this is unironically one of my favorite horror movies. I don't know where it ranks. I mean, my top horror movies are Halloween, then Psycho, and then everything else. But um, I like this movie because... Like, it's literally, the, the, I like this movie. Like, yeah, the sorry. ending is actually scary. I walked away sitting there, like, watching it at work, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was actually a little bit unsettling there. Yeah. Oh, my God, there's a pe- Oh, my God, there's a penis. Knock down my phone. I, I'm at work. <laughs> I'm at work doing my notes. It's funny, too, because, like, I like this movie for the exact opposite reasons that I like Halloween and Psycho. Halloween and Psycho have great writing, phenomenal acting, incredible cinematography. This movie is just a Jason clone in the same ways that uh, that the Friday the 13th movies were just Halloween But clones. I feel like those movies had an ending. You felt like there was a conflict yeah. with the killer. This movie just ends on the plot twist. Yeah, it's like, plot twist, movie's done. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that because on one hand, I think it's kind of cheap, but, uh, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? 
I feel like just judging by the way the mo- the rest of the movie goes, I feel like anything you could have done might have just ruined the impact of the scene. So it's almost better to end on the on the plot I twist. Know. Hey, let's end on the thing they actually did best in the movie, <laughs> where everything else just was like a pretty assatory movie. You might say there's some things that were good, but I'm like, dude, no, the acting's pretty fucking terror bad. Yeah, the kills aren't even that great. The effects are better than the kills themselves. Yeah, like actually, the effects on like uh, yeah, the so, Kenny body, yeah. the Billy body, like the post effects are actually like good. Like, yeah. Actually, yeah, there were actually good effects. And then the arrow kill. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what? The effects of the kills of like the post of the effects were good. Yeah. But the kills themselves were just eh. I don't know if well, the, ki- the Judy kill was still no matter how you look at it because they that shoot they shoot pretty, yeah. they shoot it from an angle to where you can only see well, shadows. You only see, yeah, it's just the shadow silhouette. Which to me, the the nothing is scarier trope is always scarier, you know. But yeah, so the plot twist. Um this movie in particular, I thought it'd be interesting to know, is both famous and infamous in naturally LGBTQ plus communities. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, tell me. Like you told me a little bit about this. The uh, and I know yeah. when you told me there was a plot twist, I'm like, okay, watch Angelus the Killer, which you weren't was, wrong. And I'm sitting there like, okay, Angelus the Killer, and then realize no, as it was going, like, okay, yeah, Angelus the Killer, and then or Ricky. Well, when we saw the silhouette of like Judy's killer. Yeah. It came off as like, Ricky was like, oh my God, is Ricky the killer? Okay. But I'm sort of like, nah, I think that's just a bad just stunt double. Well, it's bad. But, but I'm like, nah, Angela's the killer because we we're talking about a plot twist. And I'm like, us suspecting Ricky is the killer is not much of a plot twist. So I'm like, yeah. okay, it has to be Angela. But then when we get to the point, it's like, oh, <laughs> Angela's actually the, oh, Angela's actually a dude that survived the thing. Because I'm like, sitting there, like, oh, there's a lot that. If you like go back in the movie, they hide the fact they like hide subtle things that Angela might have been Peter this whole entire time, you guys. Oh yeah. Oh, hey Angela, why don't you shower with us? Why don't you go in the water? Hey, obviously uh, Peter would have tra- Obviously water might traumatize Peter. So I was like, okay, yeah, you know, water might traumatize Angela. Or her go- or Angela going in the water might show Angela's dick. Yeah, that too. There's that too. It was like, okay. The subtle things like that. So one of the things, and then that, like you know, Angela not wanting to show her nude body while like letting while Paul's trying to get in the second base. Yeah, you know the kids getting chopped up. Whereas like, oh, they were like you know throwing sand at Angela, which um, which there's a lot. As like there's like there's like movie the production the acting's pretty bad. Yeah, but there's a lot of good ideas. Oh yeah, which about the Paul thing? It's left ambiguous, which is probably better. But it's left ambiguous as to why Angela killed. Uh, killed him so we some people think maybe you know with the taking the clothes off she revealed herself to him maybe he rejected her or maybe uh she was just planning to kill him anyway yeah i think i want to like i want to subscribe to the theory that paul broke her heart yeah she was like you cheat on me with julie like judy fuck you so one of the things i imagine it's like you know what when i saying paul kind of like his actions being that's a what i was gonna say that's what i yeah. make him a favorable and like yeah it's like you're gonna die and i kind of like that about paul is that he's actually sem- not complicated like he's a super layered character but he's not a bad guy but he does a lot of dumb horny teenage boy things yeah so one of the things that endeared this and movie, like is, it's like these things he's like frustrated because I'm sure like he's trying to get his Mac on with Angela, yeah. But Angela's being a little difficult, and then like Paul's like sitting there is like, do, do I bother continuing my pursuit of Angela? Yeah. But then like Angela does like Paul, but it's just you know, things are complicated. 
So one of the things that endeared this movie's legacy was that, I don't know if you noticed this, but, well, we pointed it out, but minus Meg in the shower, there is, like, no female nudity. There's some scantily clad moments. Like well, I'm like, dude, I don't need to see preteen nudes. Well, yes, but we mostly see male skin. Uh, one of the interesting things that subvert one of, well, yeah, but you said Mel, and I'm like, yeah, we're not, we're not seeing Mel getting all hot and bothered. Well, one of the interesting things about this movie that set it apart was it subverted some slasher tropes, like right there. Because when you think of slasher movies, you think of sex and tits and stuff, you know. Um, but also the plot twist for Angela or Peter, I'm going to use they them referring to them for now because it's unsure in hindsight how to refer to Angela to some because obviously the person has male genitalia, and we didn't and. We we don't know what kind of transitioning related things were forced on them by their aunt, but the movie is popular in the trans community because some of them have interpreted the, the movie as a semi-positive message that um, relating to gender dysphoria and how Peter was forced to assume his sister's identity. Peter was forced to assume an identity that he didn't agree with, which is similar to the struggle trans and non-binary people go through where they're like, you know, let's say you're AFAB, you're born female, right? And then, you know, people are like, oh yeah, you're going to live your life as a girl, but they're just like, you know, uh, for whatever, whatever road leads to it, they discover or find out that, you know, they're a man, but they can't express that, you know? So it's related to that. The idea being that um, it's something that you choose, not in the way that people use it like, you know, Ugh, you're choosing to be gay. It's about how you accept and embrace the identity. Although, unfortunately, at the time, though, this is 1983, and this was a mainstream film, not the underground film and art circuit. So mainstream audiences then, and even some now, aren't going to understand that. So this movie, in certain areas of the queer and trans community, see this movie as a harmful depiction of trans people, like Peter slash Angela, because it leads to the idea that people have, like, you know, all trans people are fucking crazy, or they, or gender dysphoria causes violence and stuff like that. So it all just depends on how it applies to you um and then uh one and then the sequels which like i said suck they you know angela goes by angela and is referred to as she was she and her so it's just food for thought yeah, yeah, yeah. so because i know i know like i watched some video essays on the other movies so obviously the like angela does continue being the killer and like the next movies but they like there are supposedly storylines like yeah no they actually went and got like a set an actual uh sex change so mm-hmm. like ne- they went they went full female for the most part which it kind of except yeah. there's like the one movie where they actually brought back ronnie and ricky yeah and then it's find out that like the actual angelo is the killer so like supposedly like actual angela survived the boat accident in one of the movies now what was the remake i'd be curious of that one i don't i never saw the remake i just know isaac hayes is in it isaac hayes is in the remake yeah he plays the black chef but here's the interesting thing he's just chef from south park like children children no like legit he's and I, like his character chef from south park is the chef in that movie same name and everything yeah so that's interesting see i'm curious about the remake though if you ask me i've heard that it's fine but it loses a lot of the campy charm that this one has because they're trying to take it seriously so well re- clearly they're trying to take this movie seriously too but the acting makes us to where the audience is it camp. return to sleepaway camp or i think it was out in like 2008 or something See, that's Return to Sleepaway Camp. I think that's a yeah, no, that's the one where actually where supposedly the killer is like actually Angela. So yeah. And then there's some analysis. Someone somewhere compiled some interesting tidbits about the film. 
uh, that I think are interesting, and maybe you in the audience will too. Sure, shoot. First, the consistent running theme of water. Apparently, the very first line in the movie, the very first line in the movie is when Angela tells Peter, get away from me with that pail of water. The accident that killed Angela's family happened on the water. Artie is killed with boiling water. Kenny's drowned. Billy throws water balloons at Angela, to which leads to his death. Angela doesn't like to swim. Uh, so to torment her, Meg and G throw her in the water. Meg's killed in the shower. And then there's one line of dialogue most people remember from the movie, which is uh, meet me at the waterfront after the social. And the final murder happens on said waterfront. And the last shot has like some boats in the background. Hmm. And then this is the interesting part. Three of the six on-screen murders involve water directly, and this analyzer points out water symbolizes... Are you sure there's a remake? I'm like trying to find... I thought it. it was a remake. I'm like trying to see if there is a remake, but it doesn't seem like there's a remake. Well, anyway, the person went on to write, water symbolizes the, fem- femli- symbolizes the feminine in classical traditions, and Freud's interpretation of water is very maternal. Falling in the water is said to symbolize birth or acts of femininity. Unlike most slasher films of the day, this one features a female serial killer in a way. Gender ambiguity is definitely at the thematic heart of the movie. We have a killer who are led to believe is male, Ricky is the foremost of many red herrings, who turns out to be female, but only in the final moments we learn that biologically they were born uh they were born male oh okay, so hold up isaac hayes was in the return to sleep away camp okay that was the one yeah was that a sequel or the remake that was a sequel okay so then uh the reading of the so then the film becomes interesting when you look at the kills as this person mentions the movie gives you more than just the boring old psycho knife nut or machete mayhem or chainsaw this slash or that and with the modern motif in play um, the movie subverts the phallic-obsessed male gaze-laden tropes that everybody who thinks they know everything about slasher movies always talks about. Artie is killed in the kitchen, which is uh, used to be considered a, fe- a traditionally feminine place. Kenny is drowned, his head held underwater, uh, another death that is by no means phallic. When they mean phallic, you know, they mean no knives, no no blades, you know. Billy's killed by a honeycomb, and then these three males, the first three victims, suffer deaths with strong feminine undertones. Obviously, the ones that don't count are like Mel and the kids, but... And then there's Meg and Judy. Meg's murder is the most traditional, you know, girl in the shower with a knife. There's, um... <clears throat> Uh, and then Judy, the most hateworthy character in the movie, suffers a um, suffers a death by um, you can interpret it because you know how in slasher movies, after the people have sex, you know mm-hmm. they usually get killed. Well, she literally, in the exact words of the thing here, um, she is given a literal death by sex in a certain way, but the penetration is done with a curling iron, which is a symbol of yep. feminine beauty. And on Angela, the killer's part acts like this and makes murder are symbolic rejections of traditional femininity. Now, I don't know if the movie was actually intentionally exploring these concepts, but if they were, it's kind of fascinating. I just wish they had better actors. Yep. <laughs> and some better writing. But yeah, it's an interesting, it's a deceptively interesting movie. It's interesting, except watching the movie itself. Yeah. There's a lot, as I said, it was a lot more ideas. All right, you got anything else to say on the matter? No. Well, we've got definitely shot over the mark, but either way. Well, listeners, this was the Triple D Radio Show with your host, James and Edward. I hope you all... Uh, Damn it. I hope you all have a good one. Adios. Adios.